If you didn't know it until now, you are the Common Sense Nation. And this is Radio Free Almond. Good morning, you bunch of drunks. What's the level on there right now? About 80 almost, so get close. So right now the stream is not working, so we're kind of uh, in that mode. Having trouble in the video room. We're not having any trouble in the video room at all, as a matter of fact, because the Facebook page works perfectly. Facebook Live and everything else, but the computer, it's weird it just i guess this is what they do windows does or whatever they i had the same problem with my apple where they just update without even asking you that should be disturbing to anybody though really i mean just on its face i know it's i know it seems like you know what i'd like to to do that and to, and, to, and to make those kind of comments about computers. But you have to understand that really what it is is it's, it's, a, it's a computer doing something on its own, regardless of whether or not you want it to. Yeah, they auto-default automatic updates. You have to dig in there to turn them off, so... The fact that, but the fact that they did, they actually, the computer actually does that ought to be alarming to anybody. That a computer can just automatically update and ram it up your ass whenever it wants to. Yep, that's what it does. I mean, that's that. I mean, that that to me, that that's the whole reason why, like we talk about these people keep talking about these uh, wild ideas to have, you know, flying cars and. Everything computerized and everything else, but in the end, uh, you know, obviously we do use people do use computers and and computers are doing a good things, but 
but other than that, I don't see how you could possibly feel safe and and rely on computers for your for your life, and especially like to 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 run cars while you're just kind of you yeah. know. I'm sorry, I'm late. My car was updating. You're sitting there. Well, or or not only sorry you're late. Your car is updating. How about being in the middle of the highway while your car is updating? Right. I mean, that's 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 the weird thing about about it all. But anyway. So we'll as soon as we, it gets back up uh, or the it regenerates because we started this morning and uh, and you know it just is uh, really kind of uh, weird that, that happens. But anyway, we're on Facebook, everybody. So good morning this morning from uh, the beautiful Gaslight Studios and from the Discovery Design Studios. And what a great event we had over the weekend. We had the book signing on Friday at the MAC with uh, Doug Giles, and that was a ton of fun. He sold, told a, sold a ton of books, and it was great to see everybody out there. And Doug was a ton of fun and wound up actually hanging out until like 2 in the morning on the deck there at the MAC smoking cigars. And so it was uh, something else with the old Doug telling stories and everything else. So that was a fun time. And then it was off to the races uh Saturday to Discovery Design, and he had to do a couple radio interviews, so I picked him up around uh, 1230 or a little bit after that. It was pouring down rain where we were in Midtown St. Louis. It was pouring down rain, and I actually had to scramble to get the roof back up on the uh, Jeep. But it was pouring down rain, and we decided, oh, we'll go, and we want to get the roof off of this thing. So I did an entire Facebook Live. I don't know whether you were able to check that out, but if you haven't, I encourage you to check out the Facebook Live we did on the way to Discovery Design because it was uh, it was a blast, and Doug was really funny. And it was raining like hell, but we got to the entrance of Discovery Design and then took the took took the roof off of the Jeep and drove on in ceremoniously into the uh, parking lot there. And the, for the for the big arrival, so that was uh, a ton of fun as well. Just uh, kind of to see everybody there who were huddled under a tent because it was raining. But then I got there, and the roof off. You know, basically, the sun was shining suddenly. So once I took the roof off of the Dave Sinclair Jeep Rubicon, everything got better. The weather got better, got sunny, everything else. Before that. There was a, a pretty big storm that swept through there, right? Um, yeah, poor uh, a couple of the tents, the little tents out there got blown away within a matter of a, a second or two. It was like um, a gust of wind that took took a couple tents away and blew your blew merchandise all the way down the parking lot and kind of destroyed a couple of those tents. Actually, broke them from what I'm told. It, yeah, no, it's pretty bad. Yeah, it was really, really weird, and it hit really fast. There was nothing anybody could do. I mean, it was lucky nobody got conked over the head with a tent pole. Right. Yeah. Right. That's why we were driving there, I guess, so mm-hmm. it was pretty uh, pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. It was enough to like, so you just left, dude. How come you did that? Left? Yeah, you just left. We had no music all day. Yeah, I didn't leave. That's not exactly what happened. We want, we want, you want the deets? Yeah, so. because 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 we didn't have any music all day, and I told everybody that you'd be playing music all day. Well, anyone that was there at noon was listening to some pretty hardcore, loud tunes. Yeah, I'm sure they'll recall that that the that the whole thing was set up with the big giant speakers and the little tiny speakers, and the I was cranking out some good tunes, and then um, the weather gusts started coming, and I started worrying about my stuff falling over because some of that stuff. <laughs> 
that's not DJ gear. That's band gear, so it's right. not like the cheap stuff. Um, but uh, luckily, my my gear didn't didn't blow over. We put plastic bags on it and everything like that, and then and then the rain we could see it coming from a distance, and so we packed everything back up. And uh, <clears throat> that was about one thirty or close about the time you got there, close to that time. And then we kind of sat there and waited to see what was going to happen, not knowing that. There was a bay just around the corner from us there where we could have just set up everything in there. But I guess at the time, nobody wanted to do that because there maybe there's rules and laws against being in there with people, you know, because it's an industrial bay. Or oh, whatever. right. You know, that's, yeah, I yeah. figured that must be what it is because – but if we could have just sat up in there, we could have gone all night long. Right but on. <clears throat> it was pretty weird for a minute there. The rain was pretty bad. It rained for about an hour and 15 minutes or so. You know, I, I, was, I was in it for most of the part while you I was driving. in town. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, yeah, that was rough, dude. Anyway, we had a great time. Henry was there. Uh, Henry Davis was there. Mark Cation was there. And just had a ton of folks who showed up and uh, drank some Kreftig beer. And thank you, Billy Bush, for all the beer. Give us like $500 worth of Kreftig beer, which is great. I don't think we, had, we – well, we tried, but we didn't drink it all. Plus, <laughs> the original Batmobile was there, too. Moto Exotica brought that thing out. And that was really cool. They kept that thing in the trailer, though, during the storm, I'm sure. And uh, that was pretty cool. Then they did like a burn. They had a Camaro they brought, too, that they did, did like a little burnout in, in the, that was uh, cool. in the yeah. parking lot, which was uh, awesome. And, the, yeah, the Camaro, what was it, like a 69 yep. or something like that? Yep. And nice. we had a fun time. It was, it was great. And Giles, basically, he sold all his books, and it was uh Great times had by all. It was kind of a busy weekend for a lot of people, though, because they had the they had graduations and there were church picnics, everything else. My family was down at the St. Gabriel picnic. And so it was like kind of a whoa. Uh, It was raining down there most of the beginning of the day. And then the the rain really wasn't even expected. So it was kind of crazy. Also, right now, folks, it's basically almost tomorrow in Singapore. If you can imagine this, it's well, it's not really almost tomorrow. It's like seven o'clock at night there, eight o'clock at night. And President Trump right now meeting with Kim Jong un, and things are going pretty well. I mean, as far as we can tell, I haven't seen any I haven't seen any pictures yet of these two together, which is what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for like I want to see the money shot there. I want to see the pictures of these two together and whether or not Kim Jong un is gonna be like on a on a uh, shoebox or something like that. Step stool. On a crate. Yeah. So that he doesn't look so tiny compared to uh, President Trump. President Trump, of course, uh, before he left on Saturday, he was drilled by these idiots in the news media that we will get to in just a little bit because it was kind of an epic confrontation with CNN. And that, and that made all the news people crazy the entire weekend. So we're going to follow up on that because they were freaking out about his comments to CNN. And we have that going for us. We have the details of what's happening there in Singapore. We're going to follow up locally, too, to a couple of things going on. And one of those would be, well, the headline I saw in the Post-Dispatch. I actually saw a physical copy of the Post-Dispatch, which I've, which you'd never see. You'd never see a physical copy of that paper sitting around anywhere the way maybe you did five years ago or even 10 years ago with people actually reading the newspaper. I'm like, is that a, is that a newspaper sitting there? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was the, uh, it was a copy of the front page of the newspaper that was sitting there. Oh, there now, now windows is done. 
Thank you, you a-holes. We don't need to beep things, though. Well, I think you got to, I don't know, on Facebook, maybe you got to keep it clean, but we're going to restart. So then we'll be up on the stream. So tell all your friends we'll be back up on the stream. Uh, 12 minutes late, but that's all right. Just the way it goes with computers. So, yeah, we had the physical post dispatch sitting on this bench. And so I actually, like, I saw something about uh, Governor Greitens or former Governor Greitens, as it were. And I saw something sitting there, and it was a headline, and it said that there's insufficient evidence to charge Governor Greitens with anything. And that came from this Jackson County special prosecutor who said, yeah, there's nothing here, so we're not going to be pursuing charges. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, well, isn't that what, isn't that what the Governor Greitens people said? That there was nothing there? I mean, is it, am I going crazy or am I seeing everything, whether it be the dark money story, which apparently now no one cares about anymore, and now the charges filed that were actually shouldn't have been because there wasn't enough evidence to convict on any level or even bring new charges from the Jackson County prosecutor. So everything that basically led to people calling for Governor Greitens to, desi- to resign or, or impeach him turned out not to be real or not to be something people still care about in the aftermath of this whole thing. And so it appears to me that now that they have the governor's scalp and the governor's body buried, everything they claimed was so important is now no longer important. Everything they claimed was a, was a big deal is no longer a big deal to them. And most of us out there who supported Governor Greitens were sitting here, um, wait a minute, you just basically forced our governor out of office telling us you were concerned about dark money and the welfare of some alleged sex assault victim or whatever it was, and now suddenly nothing that you told us was important is important anymore, or for that matter, true. And where is everybody now? Where, where is everybody in the, in the state legislature who are calling for the investigations of dark money and who said this is so vitally important, where are they now? They just have sl- slinked away into the summertime. So, and, and us have to basically just shovel up the ashes of a governor we duly elected. That's just bullcrap. That's unacceptable. And yet that's what we have here. And you know what? Listen, am I disappointed that the governor resigned? Yeah. Do I think he should have? No. Did I think he had to? No. But I'm not Governor Greitens. I don't have a family or a wife that maybe has had enough. Or or maybe, you know what, why bother with these people down there? Why, Why bother trying to be governor of the state of Missouri when all you're doing is being trolled by people who hate you 
not for legitimate reasons, because if they did, those legitimate reasons would have been borne out and not dropped the way they were by the Jefferson City leadership down there and the Republicans. Again, and you've heard me talk about this before, but I, and I'm sorry to be a broken record, but I thought you guys were concerned about dark money. I thought that was a big-ass deal to you. I thought that was, I thought that was the crux of the whole issue, that, was the, that you were going to save Missouri's future by going after dark money and getting to the bottom of this dark money. Then you're a bunch of pussies because you give up on it after a while because that's really what you were to begin with is a bunch of pussies who didn't like Eric Greitens because he alpha-mailed you all to death and exposed you as being a bunch of pussies. And you, and, and you were too busy getting rich off the, off the tax credits because you're a bunch of pussies. Can't make your own money. You got to use the government to make your pussy money. And you didn't like the governor coming in and basically trying to straighten you out. That's a typical pussy. You can't, you can't tolerate being held accountable for anything. So you decided to drum up, you pussy Scott Fawn and, and the rest of Scott Fawn's pussy pigeons in Jefferson City. Many of them elected now, and many of them, uh, fortunately, uh, term-limited out, like Gene Evans or some of these other people who let you down, Kathy Conway and all these other, other pigeons out there, the Scott Fawn pigeons, who show up on his Missouri Times show and pigeon away whatever a pigeon does. Do they squawk? What do pigeons do? Do they squawk, bark, tweet? What do they do? Poop? I know they poop all over the place. They kind of squeak when they fly away. Well, yes. They do. So... All of Scott Fawn's pigeons out there pooped all over Jefferson City and all over the governorship, and then they'd fly away, and they're gone. Shemed Dogan, where's he? Where, where's Shemed? I thought, Shemed, why don't you go and, and make a big-ass deal out of dark money, dude? You're the one that stood in front of microphones and talked about how horrible this all was. And, and now there's no evidence, insufficient evidence to prove that Governor Greitens did anything wrong in the way of sexually exploiting or harming this woman. What's her name again? Forgot it already. Kitty. Kitty. Kitty Sneed. Sneed yeah. So so now suddenly, you know, you know where's Stacy Newman with her big uh, Me Too crusade and everything? Where's she now? Just slinked away. Probably convalescing from yet another one of her taxpayer-funded surgeries. But, 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 you know, where, where is everybody now? Well, they've disappeared because they got what they wanted, which was the removal of Governor Greitens from the sphere. All those pansy, those pussies down there in Jefferson City got their menacing accountability guy out there. And did, and did Governor Greitens have a, a problem? Yeah, because he will tell you himself his dalliances were harmful to his family. But, that's, but, but the voters are the ones who are going to decide whether that's bad enough to not make him governor anymore. Not some pussy down in Jefferson City. But that's what, that's what happened. That's what happened. And I guarantee you, uh, we're going to be looking at people down there who 
suddenly don't care anymore about dark money. And we're going to see what kind of money is coming into their campaigns. We're going to chronicle and, and, and take, it, take it step by step. Let me tell you something. You, well, well, let me look at this. What's this? I've got 15 of these bitches. You know that? 15 of them. All right? 15 of them. And you know how I got 15 of them? By going down there and doing investigative reporting and going after people who were doing crappy things. 15 of these. All right? 15. Now, they don't don't give Emmys on Facebook or Emmys on stream, so I'll just take the 15, someday melt them down into balls, and I'll shoot out of my musket at you at some point. When the, rev- when the revolution comes, when the revolution comes, all right? So I got 15 of these, and I got 15 of them because I went after people who were doing crappy things down in Jefferson City. That's how I did it. That's how I did it. And so I'm going to go back there. And, and I, might, I might not be able to win uh, more Emmys anymore. Maybe I'll go back to TV at some point. But I don't need Emmys. I don't need awards. I need the scalps. I need the heads of the people who took my governor away. That's what I need the heads of. Those are the people who are going to wind up getting it. And believe me, on what's, we don't have the stream up now because the computer crapped out on us because it's updating. But we're on Facebook now, and we have thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are listening to this. And we've got more people who are listening to this right now than they are Dinosaur Radio. Or, for that matter, watching some morning news program someplace as well. So the bottom line is this. If you think that you're going to get away with being a bunch of pussies down there in Jefferson City and running a governor out on the pretense of a bunch of lies, and even if it's the current governor who's involved, it doesn't matter. I'm going after you, or I'm going to find out what the truth is. And you know what? I happen to like Governor Parson, and I hope he does well. And, but, but, but some of his people who are working for him or who helped him or who are helping him were also part of a cabal that tried to bring down Governor Greitens on false pretenses, on harassing him, on holding hearings and beyond, and I'm going to make you pay. And the way I'm going to make you pay is I'm going to make you basically own up to what you were doing, and I'm going to, I'm going to watch what you're doing with your campaign right now and, and how you're doing it. Because I've been there, done that. It was hugely easy because you're all so stupid down there. You don't know how to cover your tracks. You're simpletons. You're hayseeds. You're obvious, and you're a bunch of bumbling keystone cops, but in this case, keystone robbers, and you and you and you can't possibly outsmart me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue that. And, and, and again, on top of that too, we have the, basically the, these charges that were filed by Kim Gardner and beyond. Why is it the Post-Dispatch or anybody with any kind of resources reporting-wise delving into the corruption of Kim Gardner in the circuit attorney's office? You know, what, what, what happened to this investigation, by the way, that Eric Greitens' team wanted to start regarding the nefariousness of, 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 of the lies that Circuit Attorney Gardner told, the, the lies that they told under oath, the perjury and everything else beyond? 
Kim Gardner was too afraid to testify when it was okay for her to testify, the judge determined. And so what did she do? She dropped the charges. That's how much of a coward and a conspirator Kim Gardner is. Somebody has to go through that. Then it goes on to a Jackson County prosecutor, and she says, well, we don't have anything. There's nothing here. We can't, we can't do this. We went, through, we went through three or four intense months of all this, and the Post-Dispatch all but convict the governor on the front pages, and then uh, now there's nothing to see here. I think Tony Message, what is Tony Messenger's, um, <laughs> the, the birth of a Twitter troll, says Tony Messenger. He's talking about the birth of a Twitter troll. The Post-Dispatch, that's all they are is one rag sheet of Twitter trolls. It's a front page. Everybody with a byline there is a Twitter troll, practically. And and unfortunately, there are also people who have defamed me in the past, and that's gonna that's gonna hurt later on. But not only that, they also conspired along with Kim Gardner to bring the governor down, and now they're nowhere to be found. In investigating her and and and, and following up on dark money. And all that kind of stuff, they're just nowhere to be found because they have a scalp. So it was disappointing on Saturday uh, before going to the big uh, warrior, the wild man Palooza, to see that headline sitting there. And wow, there's nothing there. That's what you're telling us right now? When Governor Greitens and his team told you early on that there's nothing there. And yet now we have a governor, duly elected in 2016, who essentially just is gone just is gone based on a pretense of lies and fueled by a bunch of corrupt, disingenuous eh, pussies down there who kept holding news conference after news conference, committee hearing after committee hearing to try and, and, and bring the governor down. And now they don't even care about dark money. We back on the stream now? Pretty sure. Hopefully people got that on Facebook because that's that I just did did 20 minutes of what, what what's going to be happening here regarding the Greitens thing. And it's infuriating to most of us. And it's just too bad that Greitens just uh, resigned. But after a while, you just you, it get, you get to the point where you're just too good for these people down there. And I, I'm telling you, I, I know that I have to have I guess I have to have some respect for blah, 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 or this and this and this. But, man, you guys just – your misbehavior down there, and, and especially you Republicans down there, you, you, you just really let your people down. Shamed Dogan, you're a disgrace, dude. Gene Evans, Kathy Conway, all of you Scott Fawn pigeons down there are horrible people. And you, 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 instead of doing the work of the, uh, of the, of the state – and of conservatism and common sense, you just, every microphone set up in the hallway, you just couldn't pass up, and you had to make a big deal out of it so you can carry on. And that's just, is, uh, that's just too bad. But we're going we're gonna to follow up on that for sure and, and dig into it, and, uh, and, and we'll pay attention to and it. And you'll, you'll be the only one doing it, I'm sure. Yeah, why am I the only one doing it? Yeah. You know, I, I just, it, it is, it's, it's, it's crazy. But in other local news, did I send my? Did I send this uh, to myself? I did. I must have. 
Did you hear? Did you hear Steve Stanger singing at this uh, Shalom Church over the weekend? No. Is he good? Have you ever heard Steve Stanger sing? No. Hold on a second. Let me see if I can. That's that's a county executive, Steve Stanger. Listen to this. Steve Stinger, people. Where'd that come from? You ever seen the guy? good absolutely sounds fantastic it's got a nice range nice middle range there <laughs> they loved it too man going crazy That was the one of the best white politician suck-ups to a black church I've seen in a long time. Bravo. I mean, because normally the white politician goes up there and just blabbers on a bunch of pablum, and Stinger at least did something different and sang. <laughs> that was pretty good. I mean, because I guess the thing is, you, you got to go to the black... It's funny how, for instance, if a... Let's put it this way: if a, if a if a conservative went to a black church or any church at all, they would be accused of you'd you'd have Tony Messenger on Twitter. Separation of church and state. That shouldn't be. We, we shouldn't have church and politicians commingling. Separate. Remember Thomas Jefferson's letter to the blabble blambles. Oh, they would have gone ape over the whole thing. But but it's seemingly okay. For you know Hillary, Bill, Steve Stanger, or anybody else to go into a church, but for my money, that was a good that was a good visit right there. If you're going to visit a black church and you're a white politician, which is basically what you have to do, I guess, when you're on the liberal end, then uh, knock yourself out this way. I'm in no ways tired. They love this man. Absolutely. He kept going. There's a long version of it. He. Would- I thought maybe he was going to go into the like the the spoken version, and then we of course been here ten thousand years. You know the whole narr- narration hums thing underneath it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it was good. Anyway, that's what you got to do. I did. I did not miss though. Paul Barry. I thought I was really. I was pretty impressed with Paul Barry, 
because uh, I said, okay, so what's Paul Barry doing on a Sunday? And I like Paul Barry. You know, he was out there with the people of the uh, on the streets of uh, St. Louis, and I'll see if I can get his video going here because I, I was pretty impressed with that part of it. And uh, here, let me see if I can pop him up here. There he is. Has no growth on this matter. Yes, it's Paul Berry, the third candidate for St. Louis County Executive. And where am I at right now? I'm at the Metrolink station in North Hanley. See, most of your county executive candidates will never know what it's like to be with the common people. Do I ride the Metrolink these days? Honestly, only the Cardinals games. It doesn't mean that I'm not welcome and I can't come into the community and have a discussion about what's going on out here. So let's look at what St. Louis County needs and what's the most important things. So anyway, Paul Barry's up there at the, uh, at the, um, on the uh, Metrolink, which is kind of cool. And people are concerned about that as it is. Okay, I got it. I get it. I know. I know, dude. I know. I know. I know. But yeah, so he's on Metrolink, and you know he's out there getting his hands dirty. The only thing, Paul Barry, you should have done maybe is you should have sung Amazing Grace on Metrolink. Then you would have had something on Steve Stanger. By the way, Steve Stanger is in a ton of trouble because this Mark Bonavani guy is after him. And he's polling pretty well. He's the, on the Democrat side. And he's kind of, he's a businessman and voted for Donald Trump, apparently. But no, but he, but he had to basically say, well, I didn't mean to, or something, oh. something of that nature when people called him on it. So that, that was pretty, that was pretty interesting. But anyway, so Stinger, you know, did himself some good, I think, doing, I, I was, I just was more impressed. Just, I didn't know Stinger had a voice like that. I mean, because have you ever met him before? I have not. He's he's kind of this. He's really he's a nice guy. Uh, he's a, a little guy, and you just and again, it's not. I'm not trying to be. I'm not wanting to be offensive, but he's a little guy who uh, who you wouldn't think that would come out of his mouth. But then again, you think, oh, you know what? Though when you look at like Mel Torme, you know. <laughs> That was he reminded me of like a, a Mel Torme because Mel Torme was kind of this little guy, and or and you wouldn't ever think that a voice would come out of a little guy like that. They did, but there are a lot of people who are little guys who sing well. Sinatra was kind of a little Frankie guy. Frankie Valley was a thing. Frankie Valley. Bobby Darin was a little guy. Andy Williams was a teeny tiny teeny guy yeah. with a gigantic head. I remember seeing him at the, I saw like the Andy Williams Christmas or something. And I was going, that's crazy, man. That dude has a little body and a gigantic head. And that's one, one thing you will notice about a lot of these guys is they have big heads. I don't know why, but they do. Little bodies and big heads. Maybe that's the key to, to, to singing a good old uh, tune like that. Now, Stinger, I don't think he has a little body, but he does kind of have a big head. He's a little guy with the, so that's maybe, what, that's, that's the common theme among yep. the, uh, Singing elite. Tony Bennett has a big head. Had a big head, too, I think. Yeah, but Tony Bennett was big. Wasn't he? He was I tall. Know. I don't know. I don't know. He's a little taller. Tony Bennett's great, man. Mm. I saw him in uh, concert. He has his daughter, uh, Antonia. Or No, I think his daughter <laughs> name is... Uh, his daughter is like Antonia, like the female <laughs> version of Tony. <laughs> <laughs> like George Foreman. 
all his kids named George or something. Yeah. yeah. I took I took my mom to see Tony Bennett, and Tony is a little aged, and so his daughter was with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to kind of, oh, that's his daughter. Oh, she's going to sing. Oh, she's going to sing another one. A lot. Yeah. Oh, now she's going to talk, and she's going to sing another one. And I'm thinking, did I pay money to come see Tony Bennett's daughter sing, or did I come to see Tony Bennett sing? And then one time, Tony Bennett, God love him, he sang the same song back-to-back. Oh, I heard about that. Yep. But it was a good song. So if you're going to sing a song back-to-back, I think he was singing like Moon River or something. Yep, it was Moon River. Yeah. Back to beat. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And now, after he sang Moon River, he's like, and now I want to treat you to another song of mine I'll always love. It's called Moon River. We're like, you just sang (laughs) You were there. Yeah, but... (laughs) And he went right through it, and his band was like, okay, sure, why not? You know, why not? Listen, people listen to the songs the same time all the time, for crying out loud. So, yeah, so it's, uh, I got to go back to Saturday and the Trump news conference pre-Singapore. I know the big news is all about Kim Jong-un. I'm trying to monitor the situation, so if anybody on Facebook can tell us of the first sightings, I don't have a TV on in here. Probably the next step as we uh, grow the grow the Radio Free Almond, get on TV and uh, and so I can see what's going on in the TV, and then I can see Kim. Jo- I don't know. I don't know how this is all going to roll in terms of the. Um, hold on a second. How do I do that? I'm going to turn this down. Hang on. I'm, now I'm hearing myself. Hey, how come I'm still on there? There we go. That is off. All right, so if somebody sees the first sighting uh, of, of Kim Jong-un and President Trump, hopefully we'll uh, check him out as they walk out. Or, you know, what will happen is Kim Jong-un, it would be better is for Kim Jong-un to walk out, uh, but, but he would be, like, sitting on President Trump's shoulder, like a little puppet. That would be amazing. Pompeo is trending now, now, so he must have, he must be speaking. Yeah, he spoke earlier okay. and, and and did a great job. Pompeo's awesome, and he just was giving us an update on how things were going. They're continuing their meetings, but I, but the money is going to be seeing these two together now. Apparently, Kim Jong Un arrived in Singapore, and it was weird because he had like five black BMWs, and. They were not from like a local dealership. So apparently they flew the BMWs in for him, like they would do with President Trump, I guess, his, his motorcade Bulletproof stuff. Bulletproof and all yeah. that. Yeah. And he's flying and he's and he's staying at a, at a, a thing called, place called the St. Regis Hotel in Singapore. There were some Americans there, because there are a lot of Americans in Singapore who greeted the president when he got there. They had American flags and everything else. Cause they go to like the a school, like a, mm-hmm. I think there's a US, there's a university in Singapore. And so there are a lot of pe- people who were uh, who were uh, greeting him there. So yeah, let me know if you guys see him. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay pay attention to uh, to this uh, this deal here. And AFG is pointing out when he called on CNN, it was crazy. He he and it, and it made the news media go nuts. You wanna hear it? The other thing, the other story I wanted to I wanted to follow up on too, and that was a local story because I just got uh, through with the the deal. Oh, and, and we also have to talk about Justin Trudeau, who uh, pulled a fast one uh, after this whole meeting, and it was just uh, really crazy what he said. And then we also have eyebrow gate because apparently he was wearing a fake eyebrows or some. 
or some kind of thing that was taped to his Yeah, and it came down while face. he was talking. And it and came it down while epic, he was talking. Epic. Unbelievable. The pictures are hilarious. Nobody, if you guys haven't seen that, there's a GIFs and memes, and it's just it's so incredible. I've never seen a eyebrow toupee or whatever we call that. Yeah. Yeah, eyebrow out. toupee. Mm-hmm. And, and apparently, uh, God was like, dude, you are really doing the wrong thing. I'm going to pull that right eyebrow down <laughs> right. for you. While, while, I'm, while I'm trying to get the I – know, I know they want me to help the Yankees win – Right. The game up there today, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little break and go over here and pull that eyebrow down right. and make you a, the laughing stock of the world. It was a quarter inch away from obscuring his vision. I'm just saying it was it was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. Hey, Mama Kay, thank you for coming out on Friday, Lisa Hampton. Thank you very much for checking in, uh, Marta. I got a chance to meet Marta Munson too out there. Thank you, Marta and Gia Valenti. Hi, Gia. Hi, Gia. She was out there as well, and uh, I got to tell you, it was uh, great to have everybody hanging out with us. Some people couldn't make it, and I totally understand that. Gia was sp- uh, spilling wine. Mur- yeah. so, so. Uh, well, that was Friday night. Bill, right. Bill, uh, Bill Murphy, what's up, man? Uh, thanks for nice to meet you as well. And really great to see Margaret out there again. And uh, Johnny, sorry I didn't get grab those books for you, buddy, but uh, I, I, you guys managed to get them. So, a ton of fun both Friday at the uh, at the MAC, which was great, and then on Saturday out there at Discovery Design, it was fantastic. Yeah. So President Trump is asked a question from CNN. You want to hear it? And then, and then he, then he, and of course, the news media thought that this was the end of the world. Because he called out CNN. You see, the news media tries to make any criticism of them by the president out to be somehow they're all going to wind up beheaded like they do in, you know, some third world country. And, you know, and then they, and they, they, they always provide statistics about violence against the news media in other parts of the country and then summarily blame the president for the violence against the news media all over the country, all over the world, when in fact there's, it has nothing to do with that. And people in Zimbabwe aren't killing another journalist because President Trump says something about CNN and John King or whoever it happens to be. So anyway, this is good. This was uh, really... Um, okay. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Uh, as you were heading into these G7 talks, there was a sense that uh, the America's closest allies were frustrated with you and angry with you and that you were angry with them, and that you were leaving here early to go meet for more friendlier talks with Kim Jong-un in Singapore. And I'm wondering if you, well, if, you, if you view it the same way, and do you view the U.S. alliance system shifting under your presidency yeah. away? So, so basically, this is another one of the members of the news media who will automatically, whenever there is a situation involving world affairs, will automatically take the side of whoever happens to be a critic of President Trump. And in this case, it was this reporter. It doesn't matter whether they're over there for the the uh, environmental summit that they had a while back in Belgium or wherever the hell it was, and the media constantly took, just simply mouthed the words of the German chancellor or the German president or whoever else happened to be criticizing President Trump. This is a great example. So President Trump's like hearing this question asked and uh, and it's about the American allies, uh, allies who are frustrated. And President Trump like says, okay, 
I don't know who you are, but I think who are you I with? Have a care, yes, sir. CNN. I figured fake news, CNN, the worst. Uh, but you know, I could tell by the I have no idea you were CNN after the question. I was just curious as to who you with. You were CNN. Yeah, he just and he knew the person was probably from CNN. And, of course, everybody flipped out about it, including uh, all of the media panelists on there uh, who, held their, who held their panels. And MSNBC held, of course, a 100-person panel uh, and, and decided to go after Say, Joy, I don't think the, the upshot of this press conference was about tariffs. I'll be honest, as a citizen, I'm concerned about the president's state of mind. Yeah, that's John Harwood, by the way, with CNBC who was colluding with the Clinton campaign during the actual general election campaign and was colluding with them and was passing notes around and sending emails basically sucking up to the Clinton campaign and wondering what the Clinton campaign, uh, what, what should I ask at the news conference? This is John Harwood who is speaking now as a citizen on your behalf. He did not look well to me in that press conference. He was not... Uh, speaking logically or rationally, right. it sounded as if he was making stuff up, saying, you know, oh, mm -hmm. China told it, told me nobody's ever talked to us, or saying, oh, you know, I talked to Justin Trudeau, and he can't believe he was getting... This is our American news media that, in the run-up, as he heads over to talk with Kim Jong-un for the first time that an American president has ever sat down and talked with them, or the first time contact has been made with North Korea that didn't involve a U.S. president writing a check to pay off the Kim family to keep them from speaking or doing whatever. For the first time in American history, we've got a president with balls who's meeting with a dictator who I think, well, let's see, was it about six months ago? Six months ago was threatening fire and fury, right? Remember all that? And now he's sitting down with the president and there's a strong possibility, as Pompeo said this morning, that there will be a level of denuclearization that happens. And we'll talk, by the way, to Jim Carafano in about 15 minutes because he's going to chime in with us as well uh, on the matter. And Jimmy's been following this. I can't remember whether he is in in D.C. or over there. I, I don't know. I forget, forgot what he told me last week, but... We'll have him on and, and talk with him. And then uh, Jimmy Hoff's going to join us a little later on. And then also we're going to have uh, Doug Giles' driver, Johnny Rose, in with us because Johnny was uh, the driver for the weekend. And Johnny Rose is a great guy. He's a limo driver, and he is a singing telegram guy. And, I mean, he'll dress up as like the Easter Bunny and go to, you know, <laughs> I don't know whether he's ever been the Easter Bunny, but... <laughs> He might have been, but it, it, but he's been all kinds of other things, and so people hire him to go do singing telegrams, and it's Johnny Rose Entertainment, but he also happens to be an excellent driver, excellent guy. He was one of the guys who, during Ferguson, like would go and pick up all the, uh, the talking heads when they'd arrive at the airport and do their thing, and it was pretty interesting, the stories he was telling even then, but he was our driver. But I was Doug Giles' driver, though, on the way to the event at Discovery Design, and you guys have to see the video of us, the Facebook. I was Facebook living, which I guess other well, I guess you could consider, consider that to be a dangerous thing to do. Facebook Live, have a ha your camera uh, in your hand, the phone in my hand, and cigar in my mouth and hand. It was pouring down rain. 
Yeah. And we were driving, and Doug was not terrified, but he was like, what am I getting into here with this guy who's driving this uh, vehicle, this Jeep, and hydroplaning a little bit? And we're like, who is this guy driving? And then I was telling him, I'm telling you, when we get to the venue, when we get to the open open up of the front of the uh, the gate there, I'm going to get out and I'm going to take the roof off of the Jeep because they had to scramble to put the roof back on because it started raining, kind of a surprise. I heard thunder and I had to run out and right right around the time that it started pouring down rain is when I was getting the roof on. So Dave Sinclair, I did not ruin your Rubicon Jeep. So anyway, we are get to the entrance of Discovery Design and decide we're going to take, well, I decided I'm going to take the roof off. And Doug is like, you're crazy. I go, no, it's kind of s- slowing down rain-wise. And what I wanted him to do was, while well, everybody was kind of, they were all kind of huddled under a tent and, and, and hanging out. We were about to go back inside the confines of Discovery Design to get away from the rain, but it was starting to dissipate a little bit. So I took the roof off, and what I really wanted to have happen was I really wanted to drive and have Doug standing up so that his body mm-hmm. protruded from the roof mm-hmm. of the Jeep, and he would arrive Erwin Rommel style. <laughs> wow. Onto the, onto the, the, to, to the people. Right. And I would be honking the horn and everything else, and Doug's like, no, I'm not going to stand up in the Jeep and do what you just told me to do. And in fact, it's on tape, me asking him to, to do that. And he's like, nah, mm-hmm. not going to do it. Wait a minute. In fact, when I, Wait a minute. The, the Facebook Live thing, before you go away from that too far, we watched that and <clears throat> watched you with a cigar and the phone and trying to put your sunglasses on and Doug staring at you. And on behalf of everyone that knows you and loves you, Jamie, don't ever do that. Again, well, ever. it's 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 uh, you learn you've learned you guys all know how to drive with your knees, right? Come on, okay. I mean, who doesn't know how to drive with their I'll knees? I'll leave that to Facebook Live, and you, you and you and you and that's how you do it. You get everything done, and if you got to drive with your knees, because how else are you going to be able to sometimes, like for instance, you can put the 24 ouncer in the console <laughs> and and get it down there where and maybe open up the top there sometimes, <laughs> but. Sometimes that doesn't work, so you actually have to hold the 24-ouncer and open it up at the same time, and you need two hands for that. That's when you knee drive, when you have to do Oh, I'm a like great that, knee you know? driver, but um, also people were very curious as to why, the, why it looked like you were driving in a British... Yeah, it I was st- backwards. I still don't understand how... I don't understand that either. There must be some kind of thing on the mm-hmm. Facebook thing. Uh, or on the camera yeah. that makes it look backwards. Because even when we saw signs and things, they were backwards. But you can see on the tape, though, uh, you can see when I, after I get back in the, in, the, in the Jeep, after taking the roof off of the Jeep, I get back in, and Doug has the seat reclined all the way back <laughs> so, that he, so that his face and his head... Or his torso aren't getting rained on, so he's he's <laughs> lying back on on the seat when I get back in there, and lo and behold, it was drizzling like a little bit, and we drive up and uh, it stops raining. I mean, I, I did the whole thing while I was sitting there and doing the live and everything. Yeah, we were watching, it. and out of it, it stopped raining. It it was it in and literally we could see blue sky uh, down the line, and so and actually to tell you the truth, moving inside wound up being a 
uh, a great move because it really got hot out there after a while. And we had that one little tent because the other tents had blown over. So we had that one little tent, and that was not going to be enough, I think, for everybody because it was a big crowd. And I think there would have been people who were trying to all huddle under a tent in right. the shade. Mm-hmm. And instead, we were kind of more in the cool confines of the uh, uh, Discovery Design, which was a ton of fun. And thank you, Billy Bush, uh, for the beer. And thank you, Rick Pogue and Everybody the rest of the great. team out there at uh, Discovery Design. And really appreciated seeing Henry Davis out there, Ryan and Kelly Jaycox. You guys did a great job. Kelly had to scramble because my sister-in-law, Alicia, wasn't there and we forgot that Alicia was the one Friday who kind of did all the did all the credit card transactions with the PayPal thing. And suddenly we're like, oops, Alicia's not here. And so Kelly Jaycox stepped in. So thank you very much. And Ryan, uh, thank you, buddy, for all of that. And also we uh, had Scotty Brad who brought us out the the original Batmobile. I actually didn't know that was the original one. I always thought they were just kidding. But it was. It was the original Batmobile. Adam West sat in that. And, yeah, man. And filmed. Abs- absolutely. Yeah, it was the one in the movie. It was one in the, uh, in the. I don't know whether it was a 1968 or 1969 movie. Oh, I, wow. It yeah. It looked a lot like it. I was pretty impressed with its replica, but I didn't know it was the real thing. Right, exactly. Amazing. Yeah, you'd have keyed it, you know, that, wouldn't you? Uh, totally. But it totally got in there. Mm-hmm. That thing was good. But, you know, once I saw it driving across the parking lot, I was like, yeah, that's it. Because yeah. it has that, it mm-hmm. had that look to it, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was funny though. The the, the tape, <laughs> the one part of the tape that I really like, and I, then I won't harp so much about the Facebook Live. But the one, I, and the reason why I liked it is because Giles was so menaced by the whole operation. Mm-hmm. I think that he was trying not to act like he was worried about it, but he's like, "This guy's going to get us killed here." Yeah. But then it was raining, and, <laughs> and we get behind this big ass truck that has all these lights on it, and I don't know what it was. And he he said, "It's a UFO." It was like pretty. It was pretty damn funny. So thank you all for coming out. I know a lot of you uh, couldn't make it, uh, but it was a lot of fun, and I really appreciate all you coming out and hanging out with us. And Friday, it was funny because we had a one crowd on Friday. And then we had another crowd on Saturday, and it was kind of somewhat of a little bit of a different crowd each time. So that was good. Some of you chose to go to one. Some of you could only go to one. And yet you got the great books. Pussification, Dr. Eric Naputi, thank you, buddy, for the Naputi Pediatrics Bounce House and the slide. And the face painter was great. I mean, she I, I didn't catch her name. I should have probably. But she was doing faces and arms and... <laughs> It was it was and she did a really good job. So we had the face painter out there uh, who moved into the into the discovery design thing. And, and Dr. Deputy the next morning on Sunday uh, texted me a little passage from the uh, Pussification book. He he basically read it in a matter of hours and said it was one of the greatest books he's ever read. And it really is actually a good one. And so uh, good job, Doug Giles. So Pussification. Uh, Rules for uh, Radical Christians was in there, too. And then he also sold the um, Raising Righteous and Rowdy Daughters. And uh, so it was a ton of fun. Doug was very, very happy and hugely impressed with all of you and with the Radio Free Alma Nation and hugely impressed with just the whole vibe. We don't – there aren't many radio stations – 
uh, and specifically talk ones that, are, that that have the kind of group, you know, kind of family. And there are a lot of us uh, that we have. There just aren't many out there uh, who can pull that off. I know Case Sheehan, it's pig roast, but uh, you know, you, you got to bring out bands and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. and so you really, uh, you know, need to be able to swing that. But we are able to do it. Uh, just very simply, and I will have to tell you, as I should have mentioned this too, as a, uh, well, I don't know, should I? Yeah, I will. As a measure of what a pussy my former radio station was, I tried to get Doug Giles up here for two years, and 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 we, for whatever reason, couldn't pull it off. And now with Radio Free Allman, just not too long ago, when we first started, I think it was uh, it was right before uh, May. I can't remember what I it was right when we started or something. I said to him, we'll get you up here in May. Um, and that was almost the first or second show I had him on here that we did. Uh, May 7th or 8th, I think is the, the day. And I said, we'll get you up here. And you know what all I had to do? I I bought him a plane ticket. I bought him a hotel room. And it, you know, enlisted a bunch of people to help out with other stuff like Rick Pogue at Discovery Design and Dr. Deputy with the bounce houses and all that kind of stuff and Billy Bush with the beer. The MAC I'm a member of, so I was able to get them to get the room out there for me. And then Saturday we had the big thing, and it was that easy. I mean, it, it was it wasn't easy putting it all together, but all I all all it, I did was is he, Doug was like, as long as you pay for my plane ticket and my hotel room, I'm there. So I bought him a plane ticket on Southwest, got him a room at the Ritz Hotel, and that was that simple. Why was it so hard for two years for me to do with the other station? What, what what the hell's wrong? And I, and I, it was just me making the, the the plans to get him up here. Ryan and everybody else, though, have obviously put in a lot of work planning the event. But it was that simple. It was just people with putting elbow grease together and and just making it happen. I don't know why why that was so hard for two years to get that done. So we've got more of that down the line too. All it takes is just just doing it. You know what I mean? I'm glad you got him here. I got a chance to tell him what I. I got a chance to tell if people don't know a lot about him, he he mentioned it at at the MAC when he was speaking. He mentioned his daughter Hannah, who I've been a fan of since the whole uh, Acorn thing went down. But I got to you know pull him aside for a second. I felt goofy after I said it, but I wanted to just uh, thank him for uh, you know his daughter took down Acorn, and Acorn was a big part of the entire Obama machine. And, and yeah. I, we, we, I think people we, know that, though. People yeah. who know him know right. know that his daughter did that. I mm-hmm. mean, so, uh, and and the fact that she did is pretty, it's pretty clear that that whole thing uh, just was the framework that allowed President Trump to become President of the United States because you didn't have the Obama bots out there with their clipboards faking voter registrations and doing all that kind of thing. So uh, it, it was great. That's why when he wrote Ra- Raising Righteous and Rowdy Girls, he was absolutely uh, lived it and and did it. And to uh, Gia's point, by the way, 
uh, part of that book, when Gia talks about releasing kids from their electronics, uh, that book talks about how basically he didn't have that problem with his kids because he went out and he went fishing. He went deep sea fishing, hunting, whatever it happens to be. He was out there doing it. And so his kids really didn't need to sit there and be plugged into uh, electronic devices all the time. And so, uh, yeah, he, he lived and dreamed it. I guess we better do our national anthem. Then we're going to go ahead and hook up Jimmy Carafano. So just on the other side of this little break, we're going to have uh, Jimmy Carafano from the wonderful Heritage Foundation who is going to be all over the summit there with Kim Jong-un. Will give us some insight into what's going on. They are also going to talk down the line as well about another local story that's going on, and that is in St. Charles regarding the bar owners there who are going to force to be forced to stop serving booze at eleven o'clock. That's in St. Charles, and there is no doubt there are problems down there uh, on Main Street in St. Charles. But this is a great example of how in the absence of any creativity or any kind of ability to simply to take action against the people who are causing the trouble, they decide they're going to put it all on the bar owners. And they're going to put it all on the people who can drink until 1.30 just fine, thank you very much, without breaking windows. And so now suddenly you have the city of St. Charles deciding they're going to surrender to the a-holes who hit the streets in St. Charles instead of actually just getting cops out there to arrest the a-holes and let everybody else who drinks responsibly and into the evening just fine and the bar owners are allowed to keep making their money, why is it that they're the ones who are punished for the a-holes? That's the problem in this society, folks, is that we're led around by the nose by the behavior of a-holes and governments and corporations and all those and beyond are more than happy to surrender to them, which is what's happening in St. Charles right now. So we'll follow up on that. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. Stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watch were so gallantly streaming and the rockets rattling. 
love struck Romeo Sing the streets of serenade Laying everybody low With a love song that he made Find the streetlight Steps out of the shade Says something like You and me, babe How about it? Juliet says Hey, it's Romeo He nearly gave me a heart attack He's underneath the window She's singing Leila, my boyfriend's back You shouldn't come around here Singing up at people like that What you gonna do about it? Juliet, the dice was loaded from the start And I bet many you exploded into my heart And I forget, I forget The movie song When you're gonna realize it was just that the time was wrong Different streets, they both were streets of shame. Both dirty, both mean. Yes, and the dream was just the same. And I dreamed your dream for you, and now your dream is real. How can you look at me as if I was just another one of your deals? When you can fall for chains of silver, you can fall for chains of gold, you can fall for pretty strangers. And the promises they hold You promised me everything You promised me thick and thin, yeah Now you just say, oh, Romeo, yeah You know, I used to have a scene with him Juliet When we made love You used to cry Said I love you like the stars above I love you till I die There's a place On the TV, and I can't do a love song like the way it's meant to be. I can't do everything, but I'll do anything for you. I can't do anything except be in love with you. And all I do is miss you, and the way we used to be. All I do is keep the beat, the bad company. All I do is kiss you Through the bars of a rhyme Julie, I do the stars with you Anytime Now Julie, when we made love You used to cry I said I love you like the stars above I love you till I die
had to uh, run out and put the roof back on the Jeep. Jim Carafano. Good morning, Jim Carafano. This is Bill Johnson calling you from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I hope you're not waiting for Jamie Allman to call you, are you? <laughs> What's up, brother? Uh, not much, man. Uh, hey, this thing is rocking over there in Singapore. What, uh, Pompeo, uh, of course, doing a fabulous job kind of being the uh, go-between, you know, giving us the, the information. Right, going yeah. on. So what are you thinking right now? What's going on? Well, I, I was in the uh, Fox studio when Pompeo did his uh, press conference, and, and I was just kind of a, you know, feed the beast kind of thing. You, you know, yeah. literally just kind of brushing flies away. I mean, there's no actual news yet. And uh, so a lot of it was just, I mean, it's just unbelievably rampant speculation, which he was just kind of dismissing, you know, one after the other thing. So, um, you know, you know, pretty much, I, I think we're all waiting. It's, I mean, it's interesting to hear from the U.S. side being very encouraging about the preliminary meetings, but, you know, we'll wait and see what happens tomorrow. Yeah, this was, I mean, because you have to, I'm trying to figure this out because the the news media itself isn't necessarily making, well, let's put it this way. And I don't mean to politicize this right away, but let's put it this way. If this were like Obama doing this, this would be like wall-to-wall coverage. This would be celebrated as a huge event. Right. But yeah. does it really matter what NBC says at this point? I mean, because... The, the big boys, the, the adults in the room are all just kind of uh, moving on, focusing on what's really right uh, for the world stage, what's really right for the U.S. Right. So we don't really have to care about that, correct? Well, look, I mean, as long as the United States sticks to its underlying strategy of maximum pressure, there's very little the North Koreans can do to threaten us. And so if, if they're serious about diplomacy, great. If they're not serious about diplomacy, we just go back to what we were doing before. So, I mean, only one or two things are going to happen here. If the whole thing's kind of a bust, they have a meeting and they're gone, and, and really, it's you know no foul, you know no harm, and we just move on. Although the press will you know be where they'll be out of their gourd or whatever. If the if the U.S. gets what it wants and it's successful, then it's the beginning of a very long drawn out process of drafting a formal treaty, which will have to address everything from the forces of all the different sides on the peninsula to how they're going to denuclearize. To you know, what is the what is the instrument of the formal end of, of hostilities look like, and that'll take some time to all, you know, pan out. So uh, you know, either way, the 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 hype is kind of over the top. Uh, oh, okay. So so what ultimately, you know, how is this going to play out? Right now, it is what like um, nine o'clock in the evening there. Right. Uh, are we going to see like how is this going to roll out? Like, are we going to like normally when the president meets with world leaders, they come out and there are two podiums right. there and blah blah blah. Is that going to is that how this is going to roll out at the end? I I, I don't know because um, this is by by the by intention by design very much less scripted than a normal. Uh, one of these normal summits goes in part, I think, because the U.S. doesn't really know what to expect, so it wants to see itself open for a lot of flexibility. I mean, they're coming in prepared for everything from just the same old, you know, North Korean rope-a-dope to Kim actually being very, very serious about doing something. And so, because they're prepared for that spectrum of activity, they haven't scripted this in a way that uh, that we would normally see. 
So are they in like where are they? I mean, like I, I did see a picture. So they're going to meet. At, I mean, they're going to meet in a hotel, right? Okay. So they'll just meet in a, in kind of a you know a smallish ballroom and stuff. And then people say, well, the first meeting is two hours, and like, oh my god, they're going to be left alone in there for two hours with just translators. The first thing you should realize is when you have two people who are in a meeting and they're and they're speaking sequentially with translators, cut everything in half. So a two-hour meeting. Is really just an hour meeting because half the time is just taking up translating. Right. So, is it really just the two and the translators? There, there is, there's no one else in the room. Well, that's that's apparently what we're told. Which again, you know, it's it's the first hour of a meeting and they're getting to know each other. So right. I don't I don't really see what the big problem is here. Though people run around like they're hair on fire. Look, yeah, you know, the U.S. has all the cards here, right? When you have all the cards. The one, the one game you don't want to play is 52 pickup, right? Just throw the cards in the air and see what happens. So as long as the United States sticks to its strategy, you know, we'll be fine. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the press is going to be just apoplectic no, no matter what. Well, and, and there is some criticism, I guess, and, and I don't think it's legit. But, you know, you see a picture, for instance, of Kim Jong-un waving out of his uh, – BMW with a little seal there, and they're saying, "See, that's what Kim Jong Un wants. He wants legitimacy." But at some point, though, you have to just simply say, "Okay, well, maybe that's what's going on here." But the reality is, we have bigger fish to fry here and bigger situations to deal with. And so, you know what? We'll suffer that possibility that this is going to somehow, you know, boost him in order to get what we really want, as you point out, uh, which is we have all the cards and we have a strategy. I just laugh at the legitimacy thing. It's like, what? Okay, what does that mean? He's getting legitimacy. Is are any of the sanctions going to be lifted? Are any world leaders going to rush to his side? Um, He gets nothing for that. I mean, you know, get some pictures to put in his scrapbook. But the notion that somehow that's a real concession on the part of the United States, I just think that's if that's the best you got, you know, as a criticism, then just pack your bags and. And go home. Yeah, because they've been saying that about you know uh, they've been saying that about Putin too. And and again, I I still I think yes, I think that's the small ball people out there uh, who are, I mean, who are not even it. a small ball. It's like <laughs> really, dude. I mean, you know, it's like the 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 whiny guy you know behind the 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 glass at the hockey rink, you know, yelling at you know the hockey players. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. Uh, I love all the little details about what Kim Jong Un is doing, like with the cars, and he's he's got these four black BMWs that apparently are armored BMWs, and everybody was trying to figure out, well, where did they come from? It's like, well, they probably flew them in, like we fly in the motorcade, correct? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I think the Chinese have done a lot of logistics for this. I mean, the North Koreans are not experienced. They don't do this. So um, I think they're heavily dependent on the Chinese for a lot of this. I, I, you know, get people read into that, like, oh, my God, you know, he's just a pawn of China. But he's not anymore or less. I, look, I think at the end of the day, the, the Chinese don't want to see the Korean Peninsula reunited. Um, they don't want to see kind of a big gaping hole in the northern flank. But I'm not so sure they'd have a problem with North Korea denuclearizing either. Um, so, you know, I think you know. I think the Chinese would be happy. I think the Chinese would be happy to see 
a denuclearized North Korea that was doing economically much better and wasn't a strain on them, but also was not in the Western orbit, um, but it was a firm ally and a stronger ally of China. I think they'd be happy with that at the end of the day. All right. In other foreign relations news, uh, Justin Trudeau, eyebrows, fake or real? I have, I have no idea. Okay. Um, I, I have many skills. Uh, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a fake eyebrow. So it's it's all of a bit of a mystery to me. It, I, it was like Mr. Potato Head, you know, and, and, his, and his eyebrow like, I, starts to look, fall down. I, I just kind of put the G7 off to this. You know, the thing is, G7 meetings have always been gab fest. They've never had any significance. So the fact that everybody just wanted to turn this into a shouting match, uh, I don't know what that really means. Ironically, I actually think it means they don't feel under pressure. And the United States is a firm, committed ally. I think they feel like they can say whatever they want. You know, not to be crude, but, you know, it's kind of like the unruly teenager that, you know, comes to the table and says, I hate you, you're stupid. I wish you were dead. What's for dinner? Yeah. You know, they, it's just... <laughs> I wish you were dead. What's for dinner? <laughs> uh, so true, my friend. So true. But, you know, what people are not happy about what Trudeau did, though, I mean, listen to... I mean, Peter Navarro was just right. Was was livid about this. He's up there on Walls' show, but saying right. there's a special place in hell for him after doing this stunt. Well, I mean, I think in the end, cooler heads will prevail. But let's let's be honest. This is the weakest leadership team that Canada has had in some time. One of the routine criticisms I hear from countries that shall remain nameless is they look at the foreign policy national leadership team in in Canada and they say utter lightweights. So I, I think part of this is just really the fact is Canada doesn't really have strong leadership right now. I think it's a big deal. I mean, and, and I think the same is true for Germany. I mean, Merkel's out there addicted. She could barely, barely put a government together. Half of Europe hates the Germans, right? Um, she's the last person that should be lecturing about world leadership. Well, yeah, I would think so. I, and, and you know, ultimately, I, I know Canada is important, but, but do, why, why are we, do we really care what they think necessarily? I mean, I know that we yeah. do need them as, you know, allies and trade partners and that kind of thing, but something that Trudeau did really in the end isn't going isn't to necessarily change a whole lot. No, I mean, I had this uh, discussion. I was talking to a bunch of people over the weekend on this story. But um, look, wh what's changed? The fundamentals of transatlantic security haven't changed. U.S. and Europe um, need each other. I mean, the Europeans cannot defend themselves with the United States. Canada and American security is very much one. Um, economically, our economies are so intertwined that that's not going to change. So the reality is, is, some world leader can get up there and, and, and yell Yahoo at another guy. But the fundamentals of the transatlantic security, they're the same community, are the same as they were before. They're not going to change. Here's the other irony, right? Look at all the people in that room, right? Ten years from now, obviously Trump won't be there. But the person who inherits Trump's legacy and continues Trump's policy likely will be there. And all those other dudes, they're likely not going to be there. Yeah. So what's been your life like uh, like for the past 12 hours have you been uh have you been uh, doing I've interviews? I've been sleep deprived. 
you know, you know, because the, you know, the BBC calls you up and they want to talk to you because it's midday, like at midnight, right? And then, of course, you know, in in Singapore, they're all in the prime time here, and here it's like four or five o'clock in the morning. So, you know, I, I was doing BBC at midnight and then Fox Business at, at five a.m. and not get much sleep in between. Tomorrow's going to be worse, but who cares about me? Well, right. I'm just wondering. I just wonder. I always like, I, like to know what Jimmy Carafano's life is like. You know, <laughs> it's, right now it's a it's a little sleep deprived, but I'll be fine. Okay, so when do you think today? And, when, then, I, and then this and then this weekend I go to India. <laughs> oh yeah, my God! Wow, you go to India a lot. It, uh, like, I guess somebody has to. Like George Harrison, I, man. You know me. I'm a big fan of the, the U.S. Indian relationship. So anything yeah. I can do to move it forward, I'm I'm there for him. But. Um, yeah, it's crazy. So last week I was in Romania. Next week I'm in India. So go figure. Do you go? Do you? But, uh, do you fly? Like you know, I, I know when you went to Asia, like you were able to fly on those groovy airlines where they have the Asian flight attendants right. with the groovy pillbox hats and all that kind of stuff. I I'm a very look. I'm a very low maintenance guy. I'm like, put me on a plane, send send me somewhere. Yeah. I don't care what airline I'm on. I don't care what you know whether I'm flying first class or last class. Whether I've got you know. Uh, an eight-hour layover. As long you know, as long as as long as you know, I don't have to take a malaria shot and worry about cannibals. I'm 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 pretty much Fiji know, next time. there, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I you know I I'm I'm the same way. The too many people though are very needy when they get on airlines for whatever reason. They think it's like the world Not has me. to just revolve around them. But I get to see all the movies. I get to see all the movies that I didn't think were worth watching. Yeah, and I find out how smart I am. Discover they really weren't worth watching. Now, does uh, does like Qantas? Who has the best? Who has the best flight attendants? Like the best dressed flight attendants? Because you were on one where you did send a picture back, or you actually maybe took yeah. a picture. Or something. Yeah, um, yeah. My wife's not real thrilled about the taking pictures of stewardesses. To be mm-hmm. honest, well, I know, but, um, but I mean, but I think that some of them, yeah, I, are, even though it's even though it's highly professional. Um, yeah, Singapore Airlines. Singapore Airlines, I think, has some of the best service in the world. Really does. Um, and uh, um, you know, the Qatar Airlines, um, they have um, really, really, really good service. So. Well, I mean, I look at it more for from not not necessarily from a from any kind of nefarious right. thing. I think it's I think it's just you know I remember going to the airline museum. In, yeah. in Kansas City, they've got a really cool airline museum there where they have all these old planes and they have the old passenger planes. People flew in in the 40s right. where they basically look like, you know, living rooms flying. And yeah. then they had all the old uniforms, all the Ozark airline right. uniforms. Right. And it just I, I'm fascinated by that. I think it's really cool. And so, yeah. You know, personally, I, I would rather have my flight attendants like in – like jumpsuits and stuff, because if something goes wrong, right? They're like, that's it. That's all between you and death, right? Is this is yeah. this person that's going to help you? And I just have this like picture of these women in sarongs, you know, trying to. You know, I'm just not seeing that. So I actually wish I wish they all. You know what? I'd be happy if they were combat fatigues. I think that would be cool. It would be deterrent against terrorists and practical and utilitarian. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. But you know, the whole jumpsuity thing. I, I, I think when people fly, there are people who are nervous about flying, and so the yeah. more normal you can look, as opposed to as opposed to Jim having an airline where no, you no, have no. jumpsuits no, and wanted, parachutes. I want to look like Batman. I want to have a utility <laughs> belt with like band aids right. and handcuffs, you know, and mace. 
I, I just want them to be armed for for anything. I'm a very, you know, I, I, I just, uh, you yeah. know. Hey, don't I, worry. I, I want to be taken care of. I, matter of fact, if they were armed, I'd be cool with that. Don't worry, Jim. I, I, was, I would like them armed. Armed and dangerous. Matter of fact, masked. I, I don't even think we should see their face. I think they should, <laughs> they should have like a ninja mask and everything. Because that way people would fear them. I, this is my idea. And then people would just cower in their seats. They wouldn't talk. I would like that, you know. Uh, yeah. You always, have, you, you always have that flotation device. I don't know what you're worried about. That little thing. Yeah, that, uh, that's true. That thing that's is just going to blow yeah. up automatically and save your life. Don't worry. Yeah. A little mask yeah. that drops down. It's fine. It's all going to be good. Yeah. I, I'm really, yeah. That like, little mask is going to save me. Yeah. Like somebody drops a Dixie cup. Like my plane is plummeting, and somebody drops a Dixie cup. Just put the Dixie cup over the Dixie cup of the rubber band over your face, and you'll be safe. Oh, yeah, dude, it's safer. Yeah, than I'm not driving. buying that one. It's always safer than driving, and it's certainly safer than driving with me. So, there well, you, go. you know, now, now when you go when the plane, they don't have like the pe- person talking. They show you a video, right? And some of the video, like to the secure, the safety video, and some of them, like people are singing and dancing and telling jokes, you know, and, yeah. and I'm like, what, what, I'm, and that's supposed to make me feel better. Uh, I, I don't I you know. know. I know. Yeah. Well, listen, we'll uh, have a good trip, man. And when, one quick question about today. So when are we going to know what happened? Like, when are we going to see President right. Trump? Right. So I think what will happen is, and and again, they may extend this. So Tuesday or Wednesday, there's, Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll probably know one of three things. One is, hey, thanks a lot. Glad to see you. Here's your your custom-made um, summit coin, and I'm leaving, right? Which means literally nothing happened, right? The second one is, hey, we had a talk. We're going to come back and talk some more. And and the third one is we are starting on a process of working towards a formal treaty that will address all these big issues. Uh, I, I think those are the three most likely outcomes. I think we'll know those, you know, sometime Tuesday or Wednesday. And and here's you know my bottom line is it's fine if it's if it's more talking it's fine if we're done talking it's fine if we're going to draft a treaty it's fine because the underlying strategy will protect America and its interests and so as long as that underlying strategy remains in place we'll be fine does it if they do a formal treaty does that have to be approved by the senate yeah okay. and i think that's the whole idea and right. i think that's reassuring to kim look you know we're going to actually do a formal treaty here it's not just you get you know like obama saying you have my word on this it's like this is a formal commitment to have the united states the the North Koreans ought to see that as very, very reassuring. So even with this crazy political climate, see, my, my concern would be, okay, they come up with a treaty, then suddenly this becomes the latest political football. But you think there, there are perils to kind of I, getting in the I, way I mean, I think that, that, that what the U.S. would want in the treaty is so, so you know, inclusive mm-hmm. and that for the Democrats who signed off on on the Iran deal, I mean, if they had a problem with what what the Trump guys would come up with, yeah, they would look pretty feckless. I think. Yeah, well, that doesn't seem to bother them sometimes, but oh well. I'm I'm, yeah, I'm willing true. to gamble on that. All right, Jimmy. Right. Well, I'll just let you remember, get... just remember the important. Remember, remember, <laughs> if a tree falls in the woods and no one is there, is it still Trump's fault? <laughs> and if, if you ask Chuck Schumer, the answer is always yes. <laughs> yeah. He wants a better right, square meal deal is what he wants. All right, buddy. 
Well, listen, thanks for uh, hanging with us, and thanks for being with us, and uh, good luck there in India. So you're going to be, so you can't be with us next week, is it correct? Yeah, I'm going to miss you Monday, but I'll be back the following Monday. They have telephones in India. Why can't you call us from India? Because it'll be like 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, okay. I got you. That's a good answer. Well, we always love your uh, where am I pictures where you'll post a picture of a staircase, and then we're like, well, I don't know where you are. And you're like, well, well, Calcutta, dummy. Or with Ronald McDonald or something, you know. I just got to remember to not include, like, the location thing under the tweet. Right. It's so easy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. Got to go. Thanks a ton, man. Yeah, Jimmy Carafano. All this taking place, and we got to listen to Robert De Niro at the Tony Awards. Standing, and he standing gets a ovation. standing ovation mm-hmm. after all this, yeah. and it's like this is this is the and it's it's too bad because I, I guess you know I thought I, I I know I gotta like Raging Bull I get it I really didn't like Raging Bull Mean Streets um, bro Mean Streets is awesome and Taxi Driver was great and De Niro is a great actor but after a while you just become a crabby old a hole. And that's where De Niro is. He's in he's in that fraternity of crabby old a holes that include uh, people like um, Jim Carrey and David Letterman and you know De Niro and other folks, and they just can't help themselves. I can't. I don't know whether this has the f bomb in it, but you know it's just going to be the the, the perils of. Um... Sounds like it's in one channel. It is. Did I miss it? Oh, you know why? They, they they basically bleeped it out. He gets a standing ovation when he says F Trump. I actually kind of wanted to hear it. Mm-hmm. How is it possible that you can have all of Hollywood, or all of, all of the New York crowd there uh, and beyond, how is it possible that, that, that they think it's good for... America, or even for the people who are who are going to their plays and consuming their arts and their crafts, how do they think that it's a good thing for us to sit there and watch them clap and give a standing O to a guy who comes out and says "F Trump"? I don't understand how they think that's going to fly. I don't understand what he means. Why does he? Why is he so? What is his list of grievances? List the problems that you have that would bring you to say something like that about our president. They would never do that. I mean, and 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 the reason why is because it's it's kind of like when we we talk to these guys about Trump being racist or whatever. They can never give like one example of how Trump is racist. They can't give one example of how Trump really is a xenophobe, or they can't give one example about how he's dangerous to the world. It's like they just simply make this stuff up, regurgitate it, and, I mean, it'd be, you know what, what De Niro ought to be coming out? If he's going to say F anybody, it ought to be F Harvey Weinstein. Yep. What, will, will, he, will he ever say that? I mean, will, will he ever come to, the, come to bat for the people that Weinstein assaulted or what have you. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So anyway, we'll get your Facebook comments on this as well. And we come back, we're going to go local with the situations happening in St. Charles, where the government once again is lazy and decide they're going to put all the onus of trouble there on Main Street in St. Charles on basically the people 
who are abiding by the law. Yeah. You want to go back on the plane? Let's do it. Let's do it. I took two weeks vacation for the honeymoon. A couple tickets all inclusive down in Cancun. I couldn't get my money back so I'm in seat 7A. I'm getting drunk on a plane. I bet the feller on the out thought I was crazy. Cause I taped your picture to the seat back right beside me. Now I've got empty nanny bottles still in both our trays. I'm getting drunk on a plane. Buying drinks for everybody but the pilot. It's a party. Got the 737 rocking like a G. Champagne out of a real glass And when we land I'll call her up and tell her Kiss my ass Cause hey I'm drunk on a plane Buying drinks for everybody But the pilot It's a party Got the 737 Rocking like a G6 Stewardess is something sexy Leaving pouring coke and whiskey Told her about my condition Got a little mile Oh, no. 
like how Dierks, when he talks about buying drinks for everybody, he says, except the pilot. It's like kind of like, well, I better say, you better say except the pilot in there. Okay, I'll put except the pilot in the song. That's what I'll do, says uh, Dierks Bentley. I had to go out. I had to run out when I was doing earlier before Jimmy was on. Had to uh, put the roof back on the Jeep because Matt came in and told me that they think it might rain. And uh, that's the only thing about the Dave Sinclair Rubicon, man. You got to be paying attention when you take the roof off that sucker because when it rains, it's a nightmare. (laughs) So the other day, Saturday morning, when I had the uh, roof off and I'm sitting there in the house and I hear thunder, I'm going, "Uh uh-oh, and I realized, of course, that I don't have the, uh, I have the roof off, so I had to run out and put the roof on. And I didn't do a great job of it because I kind of just put the roof on because it was pouring down rain. So I just kind of like sat the roof on top of the Jeep and just did that. And uh, it, was, it worked out okay. And then it kept raining and raining and raining and raining. And thank you all for your patience out there. Uh, in beautiful St. Peter's at the Discovery Design Operation out there. Rick Pogue and the rest of the gang, thank you guys so much for having us out there. Dr. Naputi, thank you for the it was Naputi Pediatrics. And so we had the bounce house out there, and we had the face painter, which also became an arm painter, which also became a leg painter. So she did a fantastic job. Billy Bush, thank you a ton uh, for the beer. And uh, we had a lot of... We had a lot of beer. Billy gave us, I think, when I looked at the receipt, Billy gave us almost $500 worth of of canned beer, man. The Kreftig Regular and the Kreftig Light, and it was great. So we put it in a big old, uh, I, I think that was a cement mixer uh, wagon or something. I don't know what that is, Rick, but whatever that was, filled it with ice, beer, and we were off to the races. So it was great having everybody out there, and great having everybody out at the MAC on Friday. And Doug basically left empty-handed. He had no books, which is really great news. I wasn't worried about it. I thought maybe he wouldn't have enough books, uh, but he had just the right amount of books. And so it was perfect. Friday night was a ton of fun, and uh, was able to kind of stay up until about 2 in the morning smoking cigars with with, – with Doug and he had a lot of great stories to tell and he's a, he's a good guy and clashdaily.com is where you can find him. And we really appreciate him being here. He's very impressed with the crowds, very impressed with all of you and very impressed with the family uh, atmosphere that we all have and the loyalty and the commitment to common sense, which is what this is all about. So RadioFreeAlman.com is the website, too. Make sure you tell everybody about that. Some people I've talked to like don't still don't have the app. So make sure you get the app or at least uh, turn people on. you got to kind of spread the word. But uh, we're doing great, but you got to kind of spread the word on that. But we had a good time. And then uh, make sure you look at the tape of the Facebook Live we did on the way out there. Uh, and then that is where Dave Sinclair, again, I didn't risk anything. I took the roof off right as we got to the entrance of Discovery Design, took the roof off and was asking Doug to please stand up and do the whole Erwin Rommel arrival thing, uh, but he didn't want to do that. Doug might be a warrior, and he might even be a wild man, but he wasn't going to do that. That didn't work for him. And if you just want to see 
I, you know, he, he's been on safaris and like all kinds of things. He's, he's been on dangerous missions before, but I think I scared him driving there in the Facebook live. So wasn't trying to, but I think I did. Anyway, we had a good old time out there and thank you all for coming out. And thank you, uh, Ryan and Kelly Jaycox and Alicia Clark for your help behind the scenes. Saw Henry Davis out there, and Mark Kaysen was out there. Mark Kaysen wore a velour jacket to the barbecue. Blue jeans. Blue jeans and a velour jacket. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then Friday night, he's, of course, in coat and tie. I rarely see Mark with, when, he, when he's not dressed up. You're never going to see him. like Mark Kaysen, one of these days, I'm going to get him in one. Radio Free Almond T-shirt. Mm. He's gonna actually. He's gonna have to w- do that in order to have. That's gonna be the prerequisite for having the show on Radio Free Almond. He's got to wear a T-shirt and get a, get his picture taken with the T-shirt on. All right. So uh, we have the situation in St. Charles, and this is. And I I've known for a while that there are problems on Main Street, and it's it's the kind of historic downtown. Have you been down there before? Over there, I have. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of really great bars and restaurants, and basically it's the it, it's a historic Main Street is what it is. And so there are people who go to these bars and they get drunk, and the they pee on things and puke on things and break windows. So suddenly the St. Charles City Council has decided they're going to think about the possibility of not increasing arrests, not increasing patrols. Once again, this is what government does. When they are faced with a problem, they take the easy way out and make law-abiding citizens have to deal with the situation instead of actually dealing with the situation. So you read Duck's book called Pussification. Pussification is built in to government. For instance, all the pussies down there in Jefferson City who squeaked about their desire to clean government up because of dark money suddenly don't care about dark money anymore now that they got Eric Greitens out of there because they're pussies. And Eric Greitens threatened them, intimidated them, because they know deep inside they're pussies. And Eric Greitens, the very presence of him, confirmed in their own hearts and their own minds what pussies they are. And so what normally people like that do is they beat their chest like they're not pussies, and they pretend to be something other than what they are, which are pussies. And so they need to be strong, and they beat their chests, and they want to get rid of the person who is confirming deep down inside of themselves that they're pussies, and so they need to get rid of that person. That's, that, that's, what, that, that's what the alpha does to pussies, is he brings out the pussy in them, and they know it. And so, it, they, so they have to then turn around and, and shout, shout out and, and act out and get rid of the person who is exposing them. And that's what they did with Eric Greitens. So you had the big pussy Scott Fawn and Shamed Dogan Gene Evans, Kathy Conway, Richardson, the House Speaker, all these guys down there who held hearings and blathered on and on and on about dark money and morality and all this kind of stuff. 
when really what they didn't like was Eric Greitens was down there fixing things and, and, and taking care of business down there and, and wanting to drain the swamp the way President Trump is. Unfortunately, President Trump is having a lot more success than Eric Reitens did. But these guys down there all blathered on about dark money and about this and about that, only to suddenly decide that they're not going to, uh, they're not going to deal with it anymore. Now, now they've simply dropped the whole subpoena, all that stuff that was going to get to the bottom of the house of the dark money they've been talking about for the last four months. Then suddenly we have the prosecution in, in, over the weekend. I actually saw a real paper copy of the Post-Dispatch, which I, I didn't even know they existed. Saw the front page. Oh, there's insufficient evidence. And Greitens seems like we told you there was insufficient evidence this whole time, but you still brought the charges in because you had a corrupt banana republic known as the Circuit Attorney's Office there in St. Louis. And then you had this special prosecutor appointed after the corrupt Circuit Attorney knew that her corruption would be exposed if she testified, and so she dropped the charges because she couldn't withstand it either. And, uh, and so then it went to the Jackson County prosecutor who determined there was no evidence, and so they've dropped that too. So what are we left as voters, as people who voted for Governor Greitens? We're left with the ashes of Governor Greitens, and the people who burned him have just decided none of this stuff is important anymore. Or won't own up to the fact that they made a mistake. But the reality is they had no intention of getting to the bottom of dark money. They, they knew they didn't have a case against him regarding this Kitty Sneed debacle. And so they, they were basically just after Eric Greitens because they didn't like him. And because they were intimidated by him and because he got in the way of them making their money off of tax credits and beyond. So I've already talked about that. But, the, but, but again, the, the, the people who are least culpable for the problems of the state uh, are the ones who are no longer in office. And the people who are the most culpable for the problems in this state stay, are staying in office or maybe they're term limited and they're out, but they're out polluting some other environment. But nonetheless, that's, that's what we have. And so now you have in St. Charles where the city council has decided that the drunk, vomiting, peeing glass breaker is going to be the one that dictates how late bars stay open and how late people can drink in the historic district of downtown. Because the St. Charles City Council, which really, if they, if they, if they had any balls at all, would say, no, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to increase patrols, and we're going to arrest people who are peeing and vomiting and breaking glass. But no, you know what they do? They're going to pass a bill, or they're going to consider a bill, that requires 18 bars to stop serving alcohol at 11 o'clock. Oh, but, but they're giving a gift to the bars. You can still stay open until 1.30. You just have to stop selling alcohol at 11.30, at, at 11 o'clock. Yeah, that's the end of it for them. That's because I think they sell a lot of their alcohol between those hours. Uh, I've, I learned about what was going on down there from other musicians who were playing down there and how it was getting worse and worse to, to do gigs down there. And they felt bad for the bar owners because they were able to control some of the people. And the band guys were getting a little irritated because people were 
grabbing the mic. It's just a rowdy bunch down there or something on the landing down there. Well, you need, you need, then, then at that point, then outside, you need police. And inside, you need bouncers who are going to pick somebody up by their neck and throw them out the door. But but you know what? In this environment now, though, you know, you know, part of this has to do with the fact that nobody wants to touch anybody now. No no nobody wants to nobody wants to to to, to no the the bars are so worried about getting sued by some drunk that they don't have the bouncers out there who are gonna who are gonna kick a little ass and and get people out of the bars. But that's what they ought to do. You grab a mic. Your ass ought to be out on your face outside the the, the place. Oh, the stages back in the '80s or something. If you'd have tried that, or oh yeah, oh my god. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they, or or they ought to let bands have their own security, and then mm-hmm. and then then guess what's going to happen? Yeah, because uh, uh, of course, then you know the bands aren't making any money because they're having to pay security. But you know, hey, city council, how about hiring more cops? Or, or getting more, I mean, how much money are you wasting on all your other stuff in St. Charles? And why not hire more cops? But don't, don't make the bars have to uh, change their mode of operation yeah. because of a few people who you're not forcing them to change their mode of operation. So the bottom line is, as I said earlier, the drunk... The pier and the window breaker basically run St. Charles right now. They run 18 bars within a four-block stretch of North Main Street between Clark and Jefferson Streets, and, 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 and they own uh, the people who drink responsibly, or even if they drink irresponsibly, they're still not peeing all over the place or, or puking, but they're drinking until 1.30, and, and if they want to drink until 1.30 and pay the consequences the next morning, then let them. But it shouldn't be last call at ten thirty. Yeah, come on. What I mean, it's going to kill these bars, mm-hmm. and 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 what's going to happen is, it's it's not going to cost them. And, and what the reality is, it's not going to cost them the money as of eleven to one thirty. What's going to happen is people aren't going to go there at anymore. All. They're not going to go to Main Street at all because they're going to say, "Why should we go here?" To Main Street when we know we're going to have to, we can't buy a beer after eleven o'clock. So they so they just don't go at all. And and to Phil's point too, you've got not only the bars but and and the bands. Although they complain about some of the activities, uh, they're not they're not going to be there anymore either. Nope, no way. So then you got a bunch of musicians who don't who can't who don't have any money either. Who aren't making any money either. All because the government can't ensure the safety of its citizens and the safety of its businesses. And so they decide, instead of having to deal with the problem, they're just going to make the businesses and the, and the, and the law-abiding citizens pay. It's, a, it, it's been the same thing with the gun control issue, where you, uh, you have a shooting, you have this, you have that, and heaven forbid you actually blame the people who are committing the crime, and instead... You want to take Jamie Allman's guns away. You want to restrict me when I haven't shot anybody. But that's how government works because they always go to the shortest route uh, and they always go. It's kind of like when you're in a school, this begins at an early age where you have a little a-hole kid in school who's causing all the trouble 
And so, you know, but, it, but you don't want to deal with him, so you make everybody else change the way they operate. Yep. Uh, it happens all, all the time. And, and uh, it's the squeaky wheel thing, you know. Yeah. And the airports, I mean, look what we go through at the airports still to this day. I mean, we're still all suffering just to get on an airplane. And yeah. it's been, you know, 16 years, you know, since 9-11. And here we are still dealing with it's. We used to go to the airport just for fun back when I was a kid. Well, see, I, I'm I'm not I'm not too concerned about that because uh, when I fly on an airplane, um, I want to make sure mm-hmm. you know uh, people are safe. And and if I had my way, you wouldn't even have TSA. You would just have a bunch of people hired by the airlines themselves, like Blackwater, mm-hmm. which will basically come and turn you upside down and empty your pockets before you get on the airplane. Because flying isn't a right, it's a privilege. And uh, an airline has a vested interest in protecting its passengers. And so, really, if it, you're lucky that taking off your shoes is all you have to do, you know. Yeah. But nonetheless, you know, but this thing in, in St. Charles is a big deal. Because, When's the vote on that, Jamie? I'm, I'm um, going to well, follow there, this. Is this... There... Um, there there's not a date on it. They're, they're just considering the bill right now. So here's the deal. Um, bar owners had to be out on the street cleaning up, right? And, 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 um, and, and Diana Sloan, she's the owner of Lloyd and Harry's Bar and Grill. And, and she's, already been, she's already been spending money uh, doubling her security there. And 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 sh- and all the bar owners get out there at three o'clock in the morning and they clean up after these people. Mm-hmm. But my question is, though, again, let's go back to why this is happening. It's happening because uh, heaven forbid a bouncer gets in somebody's face when they're drunk or misbehaving and throws them out, and then suddenly, because someone has a bruise on their arm, they're taking pictures of themselves in the bathroom when they get home and filing charges against the bar. Or, or the police down there, you know, the, these are, I'm, and I'm not, again, I'm not cracking at all on the police department down there, but you have to imagine these guys down there don't have to be careful about how they deal with people who are drunk or whatever. Because nowadays, uh, police officers are like, well, am I going to risk my career uh, wrestling this guy to the ground and then only to have you know a bunch of five other drunk slobs testify that I abused this person who was peeing on the street? You know, am, am I going to, you know, and so at that point, then you have this situation where you're just not going to do, you have this de-policing that's going on and they just don't want to do it anymore. So they had this, uh, they had a city council meeting on the 15th um, and they are, you know, going to be, they're going to be considering this, I guess, um, Ultimately, by the end of this month, I think that's that's what uh, what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and but but again, this is a typical example of how the how the government, when faced with a challenge, will always force the law-abiding people who are just doing their jobs or just running their thing or just being regular people. They'll force them to be the ones. To, to bear the brunt of it. Yeah, I like the way you use the word creative 
because people aren't creative. There's probably creative ways to solve some of these problems, like, I don't know, jotting on the spots down the street as you go. On some, If people are feeling the urge to urinate from all the alcohol, they're going to, guys, or, well, girls too, actually, I've known. But if you just had, you know, creative solutions to this, like can we help these people out rather than making them the enemy of this, you know, establishment, maybe we can figure a way out to accommodate them somehow in their, you know, I don't know, figure something out. People used to have those, and this sounds dumb, but people had those punching things where you just put a quarter in and you'd punch it. That would get some of your aggression out and in bars. There were all kinds of ways that they helped. They had creative ways in the past to help some of these guys that were getting really hammered that would just get a, you know, what are you looking at me for, man? Or, you know, those kind yeah. of guys, you know, what, you know. Also, but, 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 but you don't want, but if I'm a bar owner, though, I'm not going to have a punching bag right. for that guy. <laughs> no, but they did it stages for a while. <laughs> And it would just wear a couple guys out. You know, they just go punch that thing for a while. And it, it, it actually helped. And I knew some bouncers out there that said that thing actually would, would wear a couple of the good old boys down a little bit, you know. And then they wouldn't go out in the parking lot. I don't know about the peeing and all that stuff. I don't know what you do about that. So. I know what you do about that. You have a, um, you, you have like a place and you disguise it as a place to pee. And it really is just an electric fence. <laughs> And, and, and oh, and, that will and, yeah. and, and, mm-hmm. and you and you have like a sign over the electric fence that says like pee, pee here, right here. Mm-hmm. and then you, they go over there and they pee on the electric fence mm-hmm. and it zaps where mm-hmm. zaps them where it counts. Problem solved, you know. Yeah. Or um, I don't know, have like a have like a thing that looks like, you know, like it looks like something you would pee on because I don't know what what do, what do drunk peers look for like. Uh, Anything, mm. or it looks like an alley. There you go, or a duck out kind of thing—a moment to get away from the, the traffic of people. Right, Just right. Anything off that path. And, and again, I, I don't understand how why this is a situation that can't be mitigated by more law enforcement out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know why? Why can't this be something that they attack uh, as a legitimate thing, as a legitimate crowd control, crime control situation? But you know what? This has been going on for some time, and, and I've seen the pictures out there on Main Street and everything else. I don't know why it is attracting so many people. Is there? It might be the only place within the area that people really can go, generally. Is there? Is Because there, there's not really another hotbed of bar activity. It used to be down on the landing. Yep. But people don't want to be shot and held up and raped. Pretty much, not, so they don't right? go. They don't go to the landing. Yep, uh, as much as they used to, and that that's or, or Soulard. But once again, though, if you're in St. Charles, you're really going down to Soulard to party, right? And Soulard's already put all kinds of laws in because they always get hit at the parades and all that stuff. The people were just, you know, there was like urine, you know, rivers down there for a while when they were getting. So they've already put legislation, they've already done stuff in Soulard to, you get big fines if you get caught peeing down there. And I guess fines are another way to, to, to creatively, if you're going to put two or three things together, you know, that's raise the fines. Yeah. You know, to make them insanely high. Yeah. I mean, or or in a situation where, like, I know in Soulard when they have the Mardi Gras down there. That's what I meant. Yeah. They get a bunch of guys on horses. Mm-hmm. And and they ride around on those horses, and maybe there needs to be. Well, although I think Main Street's like a lot of cobblestone. It's all cobblestone, things. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they may, maybe they need to have 
Yeah, well, horses can be on cobblestones, can't they? Yeah, they can, but people, you know, get all wah. It's hard on their shoes and their legs. I think you're right. If this Didn't is, horses, it, though, always back in the day when they when they were uh, drawing carriages, wouldn't they do? Didn't they be on cobblestones because that's all the they time. made the roads out of? Yep. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe they have. If you guys can tell me on Facebook, if you live out there in Chase Shoulder, see. Um, if you if you've seen these guys at all on uh, on uh, on horseback, because you got a guy, you get a few ho- cops on horseback. That's kind of can be pretty intimidating. Yep. If this goes down, it's going to ruin. If there's 18 bars and this happens, which I don't think it's going to, it sounds outrageous. But if it does, that they're they're in big trouble because, like you said, people won't even go there to start their night. Because they know it's going to yeah, they're just not going to go there at all. They won't go there at all. Why bother if you have to? If you have to? If you can't get a beer after eleven, why bother? I mean, and again, uh, I understand the concerns of some of these people uh, and the residents down there, and there are people with other businesses down there that are being affected by the drunks that come out of a bar and and cause trouble. But that's the job of the government and of the police to protect that property or or to. Uh, to defend the property, uh, although they, they can't always be security guards down there, but and, and maybe it's maybe the maybe the bar association should be hiring. You know, maybe they they ought to pool their money together and hire their own security force down there. Cameras and drones. Yeah, you know, and hire Blackwater to run around down there and see how long. <laughs> Uh, the the peeing takes place down there one night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I yeah hire the guys, uh, get the guys from Asymmetric Solutions to patrol Main Street for you. I mean, it might be expensive in the long in the short term, but in the long term, believe me, uh, the people aren't going to the people who shouldn't be down there or who are causing most of the trouble uh, in all likelihood might not go down there. You know, back to the, the the horses thing. You know, in the end, this is another example of where uh, people who uh, want to take shortcuts. That whole thing about the horses, the horse drawn carriages, down in the city of St. Louis, and they were trying to ban the horse drawn carriage industry. I don't know whether they've ever tried. I think there were some horse drawn carriages in uh, in St. Charles too, but. They um, there were people down there who who were saying that it was bad for the horses to be down there running carriages, and it was really a great, interesting, illuminating thing to talk to horse people and, who know horses and and how ridiculous they thought the whole idea that this was abusive to horses. Is and how ridiculous actually PETA was when they were talking about uh, the the evils of horse drawn carriages, and I talked to some people who know horses very well and say that there are horses and that's what they do they they work they like working that's what they do and I know that these horse drawn carriage companies downtown take very good care of these horses anyway. Uh, and they're they're sometimes better treated than than most humans are out there, but what happened is PETA, which this is kind of what they do. They apply human feelings to animals, 
and human feelings to, to, to in this case, to horses. And what they what they think is that it's just like them pulling a carriage when in fact no it's not you pulling a carriage and it's not your grandmother pulling a carriage and it's not your little kid pulling a carriage it's a horse pulling a carriage and for a lot of horses this is what they do it's a they they are workhorses and horses that are workhorses like to work and in traffic, is it a problem? Uh, sometimes, but horses have been doing that for ages. And these 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 horses that are doing this are, ha- come from a line of horses that have been doing it for a couple of centuries, for crying out loud, who've been out there and done that. And have they always been around traffic? Maybe not necessarily, but 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 again, they don't mind the cars. You're like, what about the exhaust? It's like, well, okay. How much exhaust would you really have to be breathing in as a horse that is, you know, doing this? Uh, and 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 the I interviewed the woman from PETA, and she just had no. There were no statistics at all to indicate in any way, shape, or form that this was basically killing horses or hurting so horses. So what's their what's their overall uh, angle then? It's just it's mean. It's just mean. It started in Central Park when I was in New York or a long time ago. That I saw people. It's all started in Central Park, I think, this whole this whole thing with the horses, and I think that. But I was there in New York, and I saw people with signs over at the edge of Central Park. Um, you know, when the horses would go by, they'd raise their signs, and I thought, oh, this is never going to go anywhere. This this is gonna, this is a tradition. This is a, you know, but here it is in St. Louis. It's already come here, and I think they're making headway, aren't they? Didn't they actually get some some kind of rules put in place? And well, maybe, but I, I I don't know. I I, I took the girls down to the M A C for the uh, daddy daughter the father daughter dance, and we were in a carriage, mm-hmm. horse drawn carriage running around, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was beautiful. It was great. I can't remember the horse's name, but uh, well taken care of, beautiful horse, uh, well behaved. But I think Pete is like, imagine if you had to ca- had to pull a carriage. I go. Yeah, that would be a bummer if I had to pull a carriage. Right. Uh, absolutely. The horses are, you know, and then, then the, the, but imagine if you were a horse and you had to listen to you from PETA. That would be cruel. Right. But anyway, we'll come back. And the latest from Singapore regarding Trump's meeting with uh, the uh, leader, Kim Jong un, and also the media freak out over President Trump's news conference that he had right before. He left. The media spent the entire weekend talking about how this was going to be the downfall of the news media because of the dictator, President Trump, uh, calling them out and actually just asking for a little honesty. And wait till you see what happened here with the CEO of Twitter who had to make an apology for eating a certain kind of food. Yes, it's come to this. Yes. Mama let that boy play some rock and roll. Jazz is much too crazy. We can't play it when he's old. He's too young for the blues. He's still inside his first pair of shoes. He's just a baby. Give that boy some freedom. Let him move around. Don't get in his way. You'll only bring him down. Mama, won't you let him? Let him play. 
play some rock and roll. Let him play some rock and roll. Let him play some rock and roll. Let him play some rock and roll. What a great band. I don't believe it. You know? Love those guys. Don't touch me. Hey, Ray. 
That's the old. That's like an old Casey classic. Absolutely. You know? It's up there with Donnie Iris, uh, Aliyah, and all that. Good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, this Doctor Hood. Who? Uh, yeah. Who did the? Uh, who did Children of the Sun again? Who's that? Yeah, that was uh, Billy Thorpe. Yeah, Billy Thorpe. Whatever happened to him? He died. He did. He did die. Darn it. Kind of, kind of sucked. He was really cool. He did East of Eden's Gates was the other one that he did. That was a big epic song. Did you listen to KC? Oh yeah, like, all the time. Like Hell that was your jam. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah, man. Okay. Cool. Heck yeah, KC. I know you like some soul music too. You like some. You like a little mix. You well, I did, but but I but but I wasn't. You know, I listened to soul when I was uh, like ten and eleven. Uh, and and the reason I and I got a story about that really now that you asked because you didn't really ask but uh, but but I'm I'm gonna tell you. Hang on a second. Let me just. I'm gonna go down. Download. Um, but I I um, I used to like there was a time when I was a little kid and my parents had just kind of like uh, separated and. I was it was my sister and me and my mom um, at home, and I uh, I was a little I was a little intimidated by the fact that, that I there wasn't a, another man in the house, you know, uh, because I, I and, and we had got our our house had gotten broken into, and uh, I was kind of I was kind of scared I was a scared little kid sometimes. And so I would, uh, I, I would uh, have this little transistor radio that, when I went to sleep, it would keep me company uh, and, and keep me from being terrified going this is to back sleep. Back to the one ear, the one earpiece. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Right. But I didn't have, I didn't actually have a, any earpiece. I had a. Uh, uh, there was a time when I when I did like had that plastic, you know, earpiece thing. But other times I would just have the the radio. And I would just simply have it right up to my ear, and and it, that would and I don't know whether it was just because I was paranoid as a little kid or what my deal was, but I was all, all I remember is that that uh, going to sleep I would be terrified of of having somebody break into the house or do whatever you know, and I think it kind of came from actually having the house broken into. But I, either way, I I I'd like look out the window and I'd be I just would be scared to death so anyway i had um it was about nine or ten and so i had the transistor radio and i would like basically squish it right up to my ear and just listen to the radio all night and sometimes it was late enough that i would listen to it and uh jim white like KMOX was on like jim white had his show on and it was like talk radio but other times and i can't remember what what station it was, but it was the Soul Station, and it was whether it was Curl, K I R L, or whatever it was, because this is we, AM. We're talking. It was AM, and, I, and, and and I could. It was the only station I could. I don't know. Why, I don't know whether it was just an AM. Or, I can't figure out why, but but for whatever. I mean, I wasn't certainly at, at nine or ten listening to Casey. Uh, even though it was actually on at the time, it was 1967 when they started. But for whatever reason, it was. Uh, I, but I also couldn't get some stations in, so I would um, 
I would tune in KMOX, which I could get, and then there was another station I could get that was just the soul station. I think it's KRL. And that's where I would learn, listen to all the here. I'll, 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 one, of my, one of the songs that I learned uh, uh, that I listened to, uh, uh, hold on a second here. There. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Here. Yeah, here's the stylistics are great. I, I learned, learned new every stylist. It's like 1975, so it's probably, yeah, it's 12. 11, 12. You know, we had uh, here, the, the uh, this is one, this is 1973. This is the one I remember mostly, like, listen, hearing all the time. These, like, play this like twice an hour. You know, the stylistic, great song. This is how I go to sleep, man. Soul Dreams. Yeah. Yeah, the OJs. And... Did you listen to Magic? Ever? Magic 108? Magic 108 was a good station for a long time. Curl. Lisa thinks, Linda thinks it's KSLQ. I think it was Curl, K-I-R-L. But yeah, this would keep me company. Black people put me to bed. Stylistics, the OJs, Marvin Gaye. This is a great song, by the way, though. How do we get talking about this again? Um, I forget. Oh, no, Casey. So, ultimately, once I, then once I got a little older and, you know, was in, like, middle school and stuff, then it was Casey time. But for a while, but for a while, the my 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 uh, bedtime music was stuff like this. It was, um, but then I then I went, managed to graduate to KC and you know we'd go uh, we'd go to like Peaches Records and tapes and street side Hampton the big one out of Hampton they had the big Peaches there if I remember. yeah. So who was, who was the jock, could, who was the first jockey? Remember on KC, like that was the big guy when you started listening. Well, we um, the morning show was Mark Close. That's what I and, thought. And and he was there. And then uh, it was kind of a trip working with him when I was over at the Dinosaur Radio because I was like, wow, I'm working with Mark Close. And then then I'm down the hall from John Hewlett. Yep. So when we had when we, we when we went home for lunch to Bong Hit. We listened to John Eulett. What did I say? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm on the radio. No, we listened to Eulett, and he was he did the lunch show then. So he did the he did the uh, John. What was it called? The Rock Rock and Roll Cafe or something like that, or 
the Ulet lunch hour. And what he would have is he'd have like the music going, and and he'd have like the sound of a diner in the background, you know. But he'd go on the air, like oh. in the background, it would sound like he was at a lunch countery type of place. Can't remember what the name of his that was called. But then, on, then on the weekends, uh, you had uh, I Rick Bayless. Oh, I remember that name. Yeah. You know, he he wound up being the uh, programming director over there at. That's why I remember Stamis. He became right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's Rick Bayless. He was on the air I didn't there. Know he was ever on the air. Yeah. But yeah, Casey was the was the play was the thing, and, and then you had you had also KADI. I've never heard of that. You don't remember Katie? No. KWK, KHTR, those are the first stations I kind of really remember. KHTR and KWK was on AM, right? KWK, right? Ah, KSLQ. Uh, yeah, KSLQ was kind of like that when I was in middle school too. Uh, that that was kind of the poppy station, you know, KSLQ. 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 <laughs> Burned in your psyche. Oh, yeah. Wow. I think they became, for a while there in the early 90s, they were like a news station for a while. You know? Yeah. That's a good jam right there. It really is. Mm-hmm. Baby making music. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's how you get the baby's name, Otis. Could not explain. This guy's got a great voice. Oh, KTZ. Maybe it's just KTZ was the black station. You held my life with Is there a soul station now though at all? There should be. That that would be that would be a good that would be a good thing to have. Maybe maybe you know what I'll do? Why am I asking if there's a soul station around when actually I could devote an entire hour to soul here at Radio Free Almond? We'll do a whole, just a whole soul hour. Soul Train! I think I'm calling Soul Train! I don't think anybody plays this song very often in St. Louis right now. It's all like Beyonce and... Uh, they, they, right. They, they, yeah, so... There's some really good... I mean, there's some really good music out there... Uh, that they're, they're doing in the, in the pop world. There's some really good music out there. But this is classic. Dude, I can do one of these. That's a good idea, man. Just loop soul music. Remember watching? Do you ever watch Soul Train? Uh, yeah. Because soul Amer- Train! American Bandstand came on before it or after it. They were, they were, t- they were tandem. So I had, yeah. you know, and I loved it. I thought Soul Train was. Awesome. <laughs> Isn't it funny though that people like would go on and they would they watch people dance? It's yeah. <laughs> actually so weird. <laughs> Simpler times. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you learn know. your moves. You got to learn your moves. <laughs> you but but you kind of did have to have some guts to be out there dancing on TV though, like that. <laughs> you know, everybody look at you. They did a documentary about Soul Train after Cornelius uh, after he. Uh, Don died. They did one, and they did interviews with some of the people that were on constantly, and what it was like to be on there, and, and it was really they had just some of the best times of their life, you know. Don Cornelius, yeah, I'm Don Cornelius, and this is Soul Train. <laughs> Al Sharpton was on Soul Train one time. Did not know that as a little kid, like a little activist. I don't know what he was doing, but he had a, he was a big fat little kid. Really? Oh yeah. 
So tell me what you're up to now. Ladies and gentlemen, Al Sharpton. <laughs> Pre-Reverend. You look, will you look that up for me? Sure. Just look up, look up Al, Al Sharpton, Sharpton Soul, Soul Train. Train. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I'm starting a new organization. Oh, I'm yeah. going to make people give me money, and if they don't give me money, I'm going to call them racist. 1974. That's how I'm going to do it. Huh? 1974. 1974. You want to hear a clip? Hell yeah. Wow, James Brown was on the same day. So far, and I know it's going to get heavier and heavier. Hey, let me get him. Let me get him. Where's he come in? Is he a little kid? He's a little kid. He's a little kid. A little fat kid. There he is. Oh, my God. Al is the national director of the National Youth Movement. Yeah, pause that for a second. You yeah, the it. National Youth Movement. Right. Yeah, I'm starting to come up with ideas. And this is uh, what we're going to do eventually when I grow up. I'm going to demand money from people. And then if they don't give it to me, I'm going to call them a racist. That's how that's going to work. Well, we come, uh, isn't that called, Doctor, was like, isn't that called extortion now? No, no, it's called activism, is what that is. It's a new thing. We just starting. He's yeah. handing James Brown a big. Plaque or a golden album. Yeah, he won. He got, yeah, Al Sharpton like, won an award. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you turn that up just a little bit, though? Is your sure. computer up? Like, uh, we know that in the uh, recording industry that they give a gold record to those that achieve a million seller. But uh, we view your million seller payback as a black record because it is relevant and says many of the black things record. that young blacks have tried to say and could not musically express. Pause this for a second. Own, this was, this uh, was before, way. like, you imagine Soul Train. And you never saw like the stylistics or Marvin Gaye or the OJs out there bitching about stuff nope. or, or deciding they were going to take a knee. I mean, and believe me, blacks were a lot more oppressed then. I mean, the, 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 when the, when the, when the uh, platters and the stylistics and the OJs were singing, many of them had lived already. 20 years of their life not being able to vote. Right. Or 10 years or whatever. Now that's, that's oppression. Yeah. I mean, imagine the, these guys, and they were doing nothing. Some of them were like Vietnam veterans, and, you know, they get out there, and, and, um, and they just did their thing. But they never complained. And then, then, of course, you know, suddenly, I think that was like the first time that, you know, a, a wonderful product like Soul Train was infected by... Al Sharpton, who, who, who made it, who suddenly started making things all about race, even at that young age. How, does right it, how old does A he look? A black record. Um, 17, 18, maybe? Yeah. I can't wait to get fatter. Then I'm he was gonna, already fat. I'm going to accuse somebody wrongly of raping somebody, too. Uh, Tawana Brawley, I know she's just... Uh, Cause a riot. Zygote now, but I can't wait till she gets older and I can fake a rape. Fake a rape and charge, tell somebody's rape, and then I then then I'll get away with lying to them about her, and people will just forget that I am a lying, thieving accuser, and then I'll go back to taking money from Pepsi, and if they don't give me money, I call them racist. Let's listen to him more. 
And we feel the payback is sort of like the theme song of Young Black America in 1974. What did he say the theme song of Young Black America was in 1974? What did he just say it was? Here we go. Young Black America in 1974. Lil Way. And we feel the payback is sort of like the, the theme song of Young Black America in 1974. Yeah. James Brown, payback, payback, right? Uh, there's a song called The Payback. Did James Brown even think that was the anthem for you? I mean, because James Brown wasn't bitching about anything either. No. Was he? No. 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 He's presented with a black album. I didn't. That's the only black album. In fact, James Brown was like, uh, well, I mean, he wasn't, he would complain. He was saying he feels good. Right. I knew that I wouldn't. I feel good. James Brown was feeling I good. I wouldn't. Keep in mind, when James Brown so sang good. this, so good. he couldn't even use the same drinking fountain as other white people. And I'm not saying that that's a reason to, uh, that he should... I'm not saying he didn't mind that. But I'm just saying, imagine James Brown getting his butt out there and just doing stuff. He wasn't about separating. He was about uplifting the black people, not separating us from others, you know. Significantly more talented person than Al Sharpton. Right on. I like that song, uh, Papa Don't Take No Mess. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. My wife hates that song. But I bet she hates this one, too. of Manhattan. You know. You see, man made the cars. Man made the cars. over the road. That's right. Uh-oh. Man made the train. They didn't build that. Someone else made that happen. James Brown. Man didn't build the car. Somebody else did that. like this song. I mean, I know man gets the credit for making the boat and the car. Man thinks about a little bit of baby girls and a baby boys. Yeah. Man make them happy. You know, who who was the guy who, um, I can't believe, I, I can't believe I can't remember, uh, who this guy is. Who's the guy that peed and pooped on people? Oh, that... Uh, that's, uh... You guys know. Uh, at a restaurant out in Wentzville. 
Oh, Chuck Berry? Yeah. Oh. He's the one that filmed women in the bathrooms. You saw the cameras out there. Yeah. He's got the statue with it. Everybody freaked out in New City. We had to... Couldn't even get our cars through there that, that day when they christened that statue or whatever. So many people were mad. Yeah, somebody's saying R. Kelly. <laughs> yeah, R. Kelly did. He did. Right. He peed on somebody. <laughs> but, but, yeah. What's his name again? R. Kelly and Chuck Berry? Yeah, Chuck Berry. So Chuck Berry, it's interesting because Chuck Berry was, was so... Apparently, he had like he grew up in an oppressive atmosphere as well, but he turned that frown upside down and just started peeing on people. That's how that's how happy he was. He had he had time to do all that other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, any more to the Al Sharpton thing? I want to hear more of him. It's almost yeah, almost done. Giving him the record. Oh, best of Soul Train. Nope, that was it. That was just the best of Soul Train. Best of luck to you, uh, young Al Sharpton. I hope you go into the future extorting as much money as you can from Whitey. Don Cornelius. I guarantee you Don Cornelius wanted nothing to do with Al Sharpton at that time. I mean, here's a guy. Here's Don Cornelius who's who basically spent his entire life introducing new talent, uh, black talent, people who were really good at what they did, and introducing talent and, and people who were talented and young black musicians who were making it in spite of this oppressive atmosphere, sometimes even musicians who, for a time when they were younger, couldn't even perform in white locations, or if they did, they had to go through like a different door and all this kind of stuff. And then in walks Al Sharpton into Don Cornelius's life. Don Cornelius, by this time, 1974, right? Yep. Uh, Don Cornelius, by this time, was, uh, had already made the careers of countless musicians, countless people who had made it in the world. And then suddenly his producer's like, hey, by the way, we had this little. Al Sharpton wants to come on and right. and, and 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 do this. Uh, Al Sharpton wants to come on and 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 present you with something like something about black power or whatever. And Cornelius right. was like, "Oh God, really?" Yep. I didn't know he was a Marine. Served eighteen months in Korea. Don Cornelius. Yeah. Most of these people were veterans. I mean, you'd never even know it, but you know. Most of Hendrix. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. these guys were 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 a pretty pretty big deal, yep. and they they served this country, and that's why when when everybody gave Hendrix crap about his his uh, his uh, the national anthem, national anthem, mm-hmm. it's like people listen. Um, you, how could you possibly? Here's a guy play. I I always, I thought it was a it was a great version. It was not unpatriotic. Uh, obviously, it was prefaced with his his uh, disdain for the military industrial complex and that kind of thing. And I, I get that. I understand that because a lot of us still have issues with that to a certain degree. And um, he was a patriot. He's a patriot. He was a patriot. And and so I, I I never could figure out like how people could think that somehow Hendrix 
was uh, disrespectful, you know, in in that situation. How we could how we could deal with that? All right. Speaking of people who are, uh, this is the world we live in now. So Jack Dorsey, who's from St. Louis, by the way, he's the Twitter CEO. Mm-hmm. Jack Dorsey had to apologize for eating at Chick-fil-A. I'm not kidding you. I didn't know that. So uh, he tweeted a screenshot from his phone that showed a purchase he had made at Chick-fil-A using a mobile app. And at issue was Chick-fil-A CEO's Dan Cathy's support. Remember this guy? for defining marriages between a man and a woman. I mean, okay, so so basically here it is. Here's a here's a CEO of a restaurant or a restaurant chain giving out his political opinion, which apparently now everybody is doing and being lauded for it. I guess if you're Starbucks, you're lauded for it, but if you're Chick-fil-A, you shall not speak your opinion about anything. If you're conservative, you shall keep your mouth shut at all times and do not raise a peep in any way, shape, or form about uh, your conservative views on something. But if you're anybody else, it's fine as long as you're liberal. So he did. He put the. Um, he put. I think. I think. I guess he was just talking about. Um, you know how this is application can work, and he was talking about the uh, the new technology and that kind of thing, uh, using a thing called Boost. You know about that? No, I didn't. Even, I didn't <laughs> okay. know he was from St. Louis. I'm like tripping out that he went to Bishop DeBerg. I had no oh, idea yeah. Jack was from yeah, St. Man. Louis. I'm learning all about him right now, but. So, so you're then, saying so you're saying they saw it was accidental that it was discovered he was at Chick Fil A. He wasn't. No, he put he he tweeted out. Uh, a an example of of uh, the use of this of this thing, um, the the uh, of of boost to buy something at Chick fil A. Okay. I so then it. then a bunch of people on Twitter then decided they were going to troll him, and you know on behalf of the whole LGBTQ community, Jack kindly boost your head out of your ass is what was one uh, tweet said. Then there's another one. Please delete this or follow up with how much free advertising you're going to give Glad. So he say, well, why aren't you giving Glad free advertising? You know, you're doing Chick-fil-A. So then also uh, Soldad O'Brien, who was uh, the former CNN anchor. And uh, this is an interesting company to boost during Pride Month. And, um, and then so he finally had to tweet out, you're right, completely forgot about their background. Now, keep in mind, these are Chick-fil-A didn't, uh, for instance, uh, prevent gays from getting married. It just basically supported a certain movement in in certain states that were uh, rendering his... I'll I'll tell you the story. Dan Cathy, this is a story from... uh, from 2012, he's the president of popular fast food chain Chick-fil-A, has done just that, saying on a radio show that we're inviting God's judgment on our nation when we shake our fist at him and say we know better than you 
as to what constitutes a marriage. And I pray God's mercy on our generation that is such a prideful, arrogant attitude that thinks we have the audacity to redefine what marriage is all about. So, of course, there was backlash on it. And the backlash, though, didn't last long as Chick-fil-A's lines spread far and wide. And there were even gay people going to Chick-fil-A. And it wasn't about supporting an anti-gay marriage stance. It was about supporting free speech. It was about supporting somebody being out there and, and basically saying what they think about something. Uh, and and they were uh, they were lauded and rewarded for standing up for what's what's right. Now, keep in mind, there are even some gay people who aren't big fans of gay marriage. I happen to be among those who don't care who gets married, and I don't think the government ought to say anything about who gets married or what have you. And I do believe that that I don't think that I should have a license to get married heterosexually either. And the only reason this makes a difference is because it was uh, your marriage would determine whether or not you were able to get benefits. That was that. That's what this was all about. And I've never also believed that. Well, I've never believed that the government even ought to be giving tax credits to married couples uh, that would benefit more than single people. I I don't understand that. Now I realize, and I've never I've never understood why if you have children, you ought to get a tax break over someone who doesn't have children. Uh, I never never understood that. Well, people will tell you that. Well, it's. Uh, the government's trying to promote the family. And my answer to that is the government's not, it's not the government's job to promote marriage or procreation for that matter. Uh, it's not the government's job to promote uh, babies, families, or anything. I, I don't, and, and so therefore, I don't believe that there should be any tax breaks for anybody regardless of their situation. So, um, you know, would, would you give, would you give a tax breaks to, to, to blacks over whites? Right. Then why give tax breaks to people who have children over people who don't? And again, I know what, I know what even some conservatives might say mm-hmm. and, and, and about this. And it, and it, it constantly shocks me because they'll, they'll, they'll talk about how, uh, how the well the no the, but 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 it's it, the we're a Christian name the government's job to promote families and it's like I, I'm telling you it's not I don't want my government promoting families I want my government to leave me alone you're going into it really that's that I know I've heard you say stuff like this before in your views about this and with the Chick Fil A issue specifically I think it wasn't so much I know it had to do with rights and that's when I first started to hear the term significant others and all that stuff and. We had to get used to this new language, and but I think it was more just a, a massive. We want to just hurt a business that doesn't approve of our lifestyle. Period. It oh yeah, you know that was a mass, and it backfired, and it didn't hurt. Big it time. didn't help that Chick Fil A was a damn good restaurant. That didn't help them much either because people enjoyed the food and really had a good time when they went there. So it backfired bad. I like how this this article derisively talks about the Chick Fil A ethos. 
Chick-fil-A's Christian ethos is already widely known. The chain, which has more than 100 locations in Virginia and more than 50 in Maryland, is closed on Sundays. Pipes in hymns on the ground surrounding its headquarters and has previously come under fire from lesbian, gay, and bisexual and transgender groups for donations made by the company's foundation. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, on the same, by the same token, I want the government out of pretty much anything related to family, including uh, out of killing babies as well. So I don't think they ought to be providing tax breaks for people who have babies, and they shouldn't be providing money to organizations that kill them. So con- constantly, completely out. Now, the thing is, um, Chick-fil-A has come under fire from lesbian, gay, and bisexual transgender groups for donations made by the company's foundation. And I would say, you know what? Lesbian, gay, transgender person, it's none of your friggin' business what Chick-fil-A does. And if you don't like it, then don't stuff your face with a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich or whatever they have and don't go there. You know, so, so, so again, the, the problem in this country that we have most of all is people not minding their own friggin' business. Yeah. A- a- and so a lesbian, gay, and bisexual group or whatever it happens to be decides they're going to make a big deal out of Chick-fil-A when all they have to do is just not go there and everything will be fine. The media... Yeah, I mean, but 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 they but they're provided this this outlet for being able to attack them, which is why when it came time for you know some Christian groups to attack you know a television show or attack music or whatever it happens to be, I'm like, then if you don't like it, don't listen to it. I, don't don't try to don't try to. S- uh, minimize a freedom because it offends you. But you know what? For some, sometimes conservatives um, get what they deserve because they sometimes will do the same thing and complain about something or do something like that. Now, keep in mind, it's a little different sometimes regarding television and other FCC-regulated outlets because they are essentially publicly public. We the, the they're regulated governmentarily, and therefore they are the people's outlet. So I understand people can have gripes about it and that kind of thing, but I think most people just they, they, the problem is they just don't mind their own business. They have, they have no nothing else to do. They're just that's what their lives are. It's just protesting what they believe is injustice to them. Like if you're yeah, if you're gay. I'd like to talk to the one person who's gay that 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 has a that that like makes has time to care about Chick Fil A yeah. to try to, to care about a chicken sandwich outfit any any more any more than caring about a a cake maker like one baker who doesn't make a cake it's like but then go someplace else you know I mean. It's common sense. Nobody has to make a cake for you. And no and nobody has to who sells chicken sandwiches has to agree with your point of view. And and if you're that ass hurt about it, don't go to Chick-fil-A. Yep. That's it. But you know, 
There are gays who are like, that's delicious. You're missing a good sandwich. Right. Mm. That's delicious. The pickle. Mm. Yeah. You don't see Chick-fil-A also, by the way, deciding to offer hamburgers, do you? No. No. Wow, I know where this is going. No, I'm not. It's not going mm. anywhere. I'm just telling you. Uh, just as a point of action. Uh, okay. Noted. They don't have hamburgers. And do they even have salads at Chick-fil-A? I wouldn't know. I've never eaten a salad. Like a Chick-fil-A uh, salad? I don't know. I do know that every time I go by the Chick-fil-A where I am, and it doesn't matter what time of day it is. It could be 4 o'clock in the afternoon when you're, like, thinking, what? These people are hungry at 4. Like, what have they been doing, you know? Like, like hundreds of them. And, and, and the line is, like, backed up for, for and, and yet they do, they do pump them out pretty quickly. But I'm saying, but like, that place is, like, they're printing money at these places. Can you get a Chick-fil-A franchise? Probably, I don't know. You want I don't. Th- I don't. Th- well, I don't think they. I don't think you can. I think they make it so that because they're that regimented. Maybe they. Maybe they can. Yeah, you're probably right. That is probably one company that's pretty uptight about that issue, as far as where you're going to put one. And I like this poll coming out of Ohio. A new poll conducted by America First Action Super PAC, President Trump's official Super PAC shows that Democrats in Ohio are in serious trouble of losing their re-election bids while Nancy Pelosi proves to be an anchor on her party's November chances, which means, I guess, an anchor meaning they're dragging them down. Although that's the wrong use of the word anchor. I will tell you that. Anchors are generally not something that sucks something down. Dead weight or something. Yeah, something like that. But anchor is not... Uh, the word uh, that you normally would use to describe something that is uh, causing something to sink. I mean, uh, the anchor is actually the opposite of of that. So anyway, the poll provided exclusively to Breitbart News ahead of its public release perhaps most surprisingly shows that Sherrod Brown, the Democrat senator in Ohio, is in danger of losing to the Republican there. The survey shows that Brown, who was thought to be safe without a serious chance of losing in November, who was leading the uh, Republican by only four points, which was inside the margin of error, which cannot be good for this guy. Mm -hmm. It's basically a tie now, and that means that Ohio obviously is up for grabs, and the people of Ohio, keep in mind also a heavy manufacturing state, seemingly are going to be very happy with President Trump come 2020 and Republicans who support him for come 2020 because they're seeing the dividends, they're seeing the payoff there. Which is why you have people like, you have people like Bill Maher who is on this show of his and he's with Fareed Zakaria and uh, let's see, a couple other people, uh, John uh, Heileman, who's on there with him as well. Uh, for, he's an MSNBC guy. So what do you think the answer is for the people who hate Trump? What do you think their only hope is? Well, you get a little inkling of it here. Watch, listen Can I ask about the economy? Because this economy is going pretty well. 
we have to, what? Why, why is that funny? It is going well for now. For now, right. That's my, thank you. That's my question. <laughs> is, like, the, I feel like the bottom has to fall out at some point. And by the way, I'm hoping for it. Because I think one way you get rid of Trump is a crashing economy. Yeah. So please, bring on the recession. Yeah. So that's, that's the kind of thing you're getting from the left in terms of what their only hope is. And their only hope is for... Americans to be miserable economically. And, and that, now that, I mean, and, and I know that people like, oh, Bill Maher, I like him, he's even-handed. When are we going to release ourselves from this idea that Bill Maher is in any way, shape, or form a friend of ours? I mean, yeah, okay. I've heard him be the libertarian, and I've heard him kind of, you know, be the all-encompassing, you know, uh, attack you know, both sides when it comes to religion or that kind of thing, and I get it. But I'm not quite sure that all of that offsets the ridiculousness with which how he uh, operates in this fashion here. I mean, you got to really be a terrible person to sit there because of your said. politics mm-hmm. to, to, to decide that you would rather have millions of Americans suffering economically than have to deal with a duly elected president you just happen not to like. That was an awful thing he said right there. I can't believe he said it. I'm, I'm sure it wasn't a joke either. He means it. So Sorry if that hurts people, but it's either root for a recession or you lose your democracy. Trump, Trump gonna... is doing it. <laughs> and, and, and once again, like Bill Maher is not an idiot. Like He's not a dumb guy. And so, first of all, he has to know that we're not a democracy, but... I don't know why these people continue to talk about how we're a democracy, and we're just not a democracy. We're a representative republic. Although people would say, well, we're a representative republic democracy. It's like, okay, we're not, the the way you're using the term democracy, we are not a democracy. Thank God. We're a representative republic, which is better and more Mm -hmm. solidly a governmental construct that is much more effective and better for the uh, citizen than a democracy is. But anyway, or direct democracy, I should say. So, but he he does say that uh, President Trump is a threat to whatever that is he's talking about. And I still can't figure out how the president, and let's just pretend I'll correct Bill Maher and, and, and accurately define our government construct, Let's just pretend that Bill Maher said that the president is a threat. And I've heard this a lot from people. You know, He's a threat to our democracy. He's a threat to our democracy. Let's just pretend, of course, I'll give you the word democracy and, and exchange it for Republica, Repu- 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 Republic. So in what ways would the president be a threat to this country? How, how, what, or, or for that matter, to our so-called democracy? How, how is he a threat to that? Because he gets uh, in, uh, in CNN's face? How is that a threat to our democracy? Or he wants to protect our borders? How is that a threat to democracy? I, I, don't, see how, I don't see the word, I don't see how threat is an accurate depiction don't either. of how the president is operating. At I really point. don't. I haven't seen anyone make an actual case for it, not anyone in the New York Times. New York Times article headline a couple days ago was we've run out of words to describe how good the economy is 
Right. Although, did, Paul it? Krugman couldn't have written that, did he? No, he did not. <laughs> it's not Paul Krugman. That. I was going to say, I haven't even heard him make a case yet for where the threat, why the word threat is usable in, in describing our president. Everything you could possibly do to, to screw up the good yes. economy. It's like, everything's going great. Yes. And this is the great thing. You watch Trump's rhetoric. He stands up there and says, lowest unemployment ever. African-Americans doing great. We're all doing fantastic. Best <laughs> ever. But also, it's a disaster. We got to change everything. Right. America's getting robbed blind by the foreigners. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? So, sorry about the F word if you uh, are hearing that. Uh, I don't really generally want to play that kind of thing. Uh, but John Heileman is also a smart person and knows that President Trump is right about our trade deals and voters knew he was right, which is why they voted him in. And we are indeed getting robbed blind by these horrible trade deals that were basically overseen by Republicans and Democrats. And so this idea that we're being robbed blind by foreigners that's not, a, that's not a bad thing for President Trump to say. And actually, he doesn't use the word foreigners. It's Heileman who, who uses that terminology. And so uh, we, when he says, what the F is he talking about, we know exactly what he's talking about. Now, is the answer always going to be tariffs and that kind of thing? I don't think so. But you have to threaten and you have to cajole and you have to influence people uh, through that in order to get work done. And it's been very effective for President Trump. I've seen people say there's a, it's a healthy trade war. A healthy trade war is what Trump wants. So everybody is playing the game and getting what they want. Like a businessman would look at it, com- com- competition, not just one person making a bunch and somebody getting ripped off. He wants it just to be balanced. Right. <clears throat> and that's what he's doing. Are we, we have a good economy or a bad economy? If we have a good economy, why not just let it ride? If we have a bad economy, we'll have another conversation. But wow. So these guys are really mental midgets when it comes to what they're seeing here. President Trump can say black unemployment is at its lowest. Unemployment, I've set nine records in 500 days. Okay? Nine records in 500 days. Obama could live another thousand years and still not be able to meet that kind of record string. And so it's possible that President Trump could say, yeah, our economy is great. Black unemployment is at its lowest and our trade deals suck. That, that's, not, that's not sending two different messages. That's actually just simply completing the, the roundup of ways in which we can even improve the economy yep. even more. Yep. He's just saying the next on my list is that. Yeah. That's what we're going to fix next. These shows are frustrating to listen to because they, uh, you know, on the one hand, you're hearing people who they, you know they know better, mm-hmm. but, but they, just won't, they just won't say it because they can't and they have a certain audience they have to appeal to. Heilman's on MSNBC. You think he's really going <laughs> to come out and acknowledge that black unemployment's the lowest it's been in a long Can I ask about the economy? Because this economy is going pretty well. We have to... What? Why why is that funny? It is going well for now. For now, right. I mean, and that was the response of... I don't know who this black dude is, but, you know. For now, it's going well. It's like, well, wait a minute, though. If this were were an Obama economy, they'd they'd be lauding this guy. Parades. Mm-hmm. 
by the way, speaking of uh, presidential images, is it true, and maybe you can tell me, is it true that they still don't have President Trump's picture up in many of the license bureaus around here, as well as the federal building, the Robert Young Federal Building? I don't know, but he hasn't had all his appointments made in his cabinet, so maybe there's somebody in that cabinet that's supposed to be appointed that's in charge of that because he's still missing half of his people that should be in place there. So that's why they're not going home for the summer. Well, because you go into you go into uh, you go into saying you saying that President Obama's still in there. Well, well, no, just nobody. But I don't think that Trump's picture is in the federal building yet. I've, I've had complaints about that before, really? and I'm not quite sure that his uh, his picture is in there yet. But. Also, by the way, I, I recently went into a Missouri Department of Revenue, like Revenue Office, and Greitens' picture wasn't up there. Hmm. It's kind of weird. What is up with that? Yeah, I mean, because I, I, I know Jay Nixon's picture was up there, and in the, in the, in the few mm-hmm. times I've had to go into the uh, into the license offices, we got to talk about that sometime because I did a whole series of reports when I was at Channel Four on the license office deals because they're their patronage offices. So when a Republican governor comes in, uh, they, the offices change. You can, you can get, you can give somebody else a license, a revenue office. It's really weird. And, and, and when Democrats, okay, it's in, okay. Yeah. So Paul house says it's finally in the federal building, but it took forever to put a picture of President Trump in there. So, but, but it's, it's weird. I don't know whether you know this or not, but, but if you are a heavy-duty campaign donor or you know the right people, you get these revenue offices uh, and, and you, can, you can get a license bureau. And that's how they do it. They kind of dole them out that way just to people they, they know. And I don't know whether that's really changed a whole lot, but... Um, and 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 they have moved to privatize them, as uh, as Anthony points out, because there was there. But but this was kind of, and I have to tell you, in in large part, that was influenced by the reports that I did, because I I showed that many of these license bureaus, some were Republican, some were Democrat, uh, there was like very little accountability. There's cash leaving and and. Um, you know, one of them, I think, Albert Walton's family, it was, and it was family run. So you'd go in there and you'd have some political hack, and she'd have all of her nieces and nephews running the place. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's why a lot of them have actually improved because they are now private. I had no idea about that at all. Oh, that's... yeah. You'd, you'd go in there and, 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 and uh, the, uh, they'd have, you know, the slow cousin working in there. <laughs> mm. I'm not kidding you, man. I'd like to know. I'd like to know whether or not they. Um, I'd like to know whether or not. And 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 Anthony also points out that he doesn't know whether they have to put up a picture of the governor. They used to though. When the governor gave them a license bureau, you're damn right they put the gov- the governor's picture up there. But now I think there's one in Maplewood that I think is private, and it's really well run. The Deer Creek one? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. 
taking over on the screen. It's all. Oh yeah, I mean, and and there's no way now. I'll have to. I'll find this out by tomorrow. But in 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 my opinion, there's no way that's a patronage office there. Your guess is that's private. It's gotta be. It's too smooth. It's yeah. Too good. Oh yeah. Yeah. You don't even complain when you're there. It's like it's it's like a, n- a new thing. Like, yeah. I'm not complaining. I'm getting my license or my right. Kids. It's smooth. Because the other ones you'd go into, like you'd go to some place like in uh, in North County or something, and mm-hmm. then you'd see the the you always knew you were in a patronage office when you saw the sign next to that next to the heifer who was sitting there and say, uh, lack of preparation on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. <laughs> That's a, that sign I saw when I did so many of these, of these um, city hall or, or government state office, whenever I did these investigative reports and I'd wander into these offices all the time, there's there was always one desk that had that sign on it, mm-hmm. right? Always one desk. Do you walk in with cameras? Or just, oh yeah, just no. And feel it out first, or <laughs> no, 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 no. Come in with the crew. You never walk. You never feel it out first. Okay. The time to feel it out is when your cameras are rolling, and and you can let them feel it out. <laughs> right on. You you uh. That's why you'd never. Oh, we're over. It's already nine oh five. It's nine oh five. Nine oh five liquor. Right on. Uh, we used to uh, go in, and you. Um, that's why you you never ask for an interview. Right. It ruins everything. Right. Yeah. Well, it it gives them the chance to say no. To get ready or right. I mean, you you never let them say no. You never you never offer them the opportunity to say no. Right. Just walk right up to them. With and if they want to say no, guy behind you, yeah, that's awesome. If they want to say no, then they'll tell you no, and then you have them saying no. <laughs> that was fun, man. I bet sometimes wasn't it really fun? Had to yeah, fun. well, it was fun when you um, well because I never, I never did that without having somebody dead to rights. So, so by the time I got to the interview with them. Uh, I knew I had every. I wasn't exploring anything. I had everything right there, and so I could. I could. So they lied to me, and I knew they were lying, and so then I would, you know, do that whole thing. No computer though. You're like little notebook guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I would never. I would never like. I would just you know go fishing. I if by the time I got to them, I already knew what it. was up. The only t- and the only time, oddly enough, that I ever had anybody punch a camera that I was that I had. Was uh, Lewis Ford down in Jefferson City? Um, he punched my camera. Mm. He didn't want me rolling on him. We were in his office. We'd always be. We 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 would never like within reason. You wouldn't just go into somebody's private office necessarily rolling. But if it was a public office, you'd go in there all the time. We did the. I did my favorite one. That was the first time I won an Emmy, and. Um, I hope you guys realize. Don't forget, at six o'clock this morning, when our when our when our stream wasn't working, we we're only on Facebook. Go back to the beginning there, and and see that part where I talked a little bit about. It's awesome. Investigative. You guys were struggling to get that thing going, but I was babbling on was in front awesome. of the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the first Emmy I ever won. It was back in nineteen ninety five. Ultimately, nineteen ninety six. Then, 
1995, I did a story about uh, how these um, how lobbyists weren't even like talking to anybody; they were just sending lawmakers the liquor of their choice, and they uh, or or soft drinks of their choice or whatever. But they would always have these. They, there was always be a, the, the the day when the liquor delivery came. And you'd have the guy, you'd have like teachers standing outside of a lawmaker's office waiting to to talk to them about something important, and they still wouldn't get in. And 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 the guy with the um, with the wheelie dolly, the right. dolly would right. walk right by him. Really, seriously, he had all the access in the world, and he with with boxes of. Liquor or beer or whatever delivered right to the offices there. And that's how lobbyists did it. They would buy liquor and have it delivered to these offices. So you had people like, um, I remember, forget, O.L. Shelton. Like his liquor of choice was uh, Quavassier. So to get to O.L. Shelton, if you were a lobbyist, you had to send O.L. Shelton Quavassier. Other guys were like all about, you know, Budweiser or whatever. And then there was one that was interesting, Brian May, who I still think is an attorney someplace, and a good guy, Democrat, mm-hmm. good guy. Um, Brian May, for whatever reason, had a Jones for Yoo-Hoo chocolate soda. <laughs> That's funny. And they would deliver that by the crateful to the, his office, man. Wow. But he loved him some Yoo-Hoo chocolate soda. Jeff City. Jeff City, Runs man. Runs on Yoo-Hoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to find the theme here. We went over. That's okay, though. We were 12 minutes late with the f- feed, so we got 12 minutes. That's well, okay. we're giving we're giving people their money. We're giving people their money's worth. We're giving Let's you. Um, it's stream. That was where the computer was uh, had decided on its own to uh, do an update, mega update. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then did that to us. I told you. Uh, be careful because Ryan and I were talking or whatever about self-driving cars. And he said, wouldn't it be cool to be like kind of going down the road in your living room type thing? And now you realize, though, with computers running everything, imagine you just going about your business and then suddenly your computer decides it wants to update right there on Interstate 70, the Salisbury exit. I'm saying... Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for all of your support out there on Friday and Saturday. It's a great weekend with Doug Giles, who, by the way, is going to be all with us tomorrow, as will Jimmy Hoft. And believe me, between now and tomorrow morning, there will be some craziness. With the president, Kim Jong-un. I'm just telling you. Have a good rest of your day, everybody.